excuse me, Miss Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear. We, we swear the, the best, best podcast of the year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, if you didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Welcome, welcome, welcome to America Tuning Life. I'm your host, Mike Lynn. Here, my beautiful wife and co-host, Eric the Lynn. What's up, babe? What's up, y'all? It's our Wednesday show coming to you at seven o'clock. Um, we're trying to get to try to get more consistent with these, obviously. Uh, <laughs> But time frames matter, so 8 o'clock is getting a little late. I think your 7 o'clock time is a little better. Uh, it works out a little better for us anyways, and we know that most most people don't watch live. They'll come on and watch afterwards, so it doesn't really matter to you what time we go live, right? Uh, so 7 o'clock might be our new time, Mondays and Wednesdays. But anyways, outside of that, there's a lot of news to catch up on, things that have been happening in the city. We've been extremely busy uh, keeping up with it all and accountability on it all and all, you know how that all goes so we're going to touch on some of those things today some other things that are happening in the national news uh other things that are happening statewide uh so just thank you for being along for the ride with us share this out if you don't mind uh you know comment talk about it whatever the case is what's going on babe anything specific you just got off a meeting with yeah. lpat I don't yeah. think we've even talked about LPAT. <laughs> no, we have. We not. should talk about it. We there's should. Do, you guys don't know what LPAT is, but we there's an LPAT right now. Uh, that what does that sound like to y'all? <laughs> I wonder when people hear LPAT, what do they think? Because I I, I always I'm always gonna think of like some type of school board advisory something. So LPAT it is does the sound East, like a, a board. Yeah, LPAT is the East Lansing Parents Advocacy Team that Erica or the village helped uh, some family members out in East Lansing coordinate and get together uh, after all the issues they were having in East Lansing. We were able to get out there and kind of stem some of those issues. Um, and and we haven't even talked about any of that stuff. Oh my goodness, we've been busy. Yeah. Uh, but the village got involved with the stuff going out there in East Lansing and uh, and kind of helped to quell the, the, the beast that they were having and so on and these young men uh, took it upon themselves to be accountable to that and to themselves to themselves to and other. to each other to and the, families, and the stuff us. has calmed down but since that there's been a lot of administrative stuff that's popped out on everybody that uh you know i was from, i was i understood was there because anytime you got these type of issues it's going to be some administrative stuff that ain't taking care of business um but there's a group of parents and advocates out in east lansing that are trying to uh get this administrative level stuff together and we haven't talked about any of this, and I'm really surprised. But if you watch America, you heard me talk about when this beef and this all this stuff was going on out in East Lansing. Uh, we had some parents, concerned parents, that were involved in it, and their young people were involved in it. Came to the village, uh, and we made a couple trips back here from Florida during that time to uh, get a handle on all of that, and had some meetings at the village, talked to them, uh, got everything together. Not since they got everything together, we had some conversations with the young men brought those young men together and, and since the things have been calmed down, I'm not going to say it's all over with, but they've been calmed down. Uh, but during that time, I had actually met with the principal. That was the principal at the time, who I'm sure you guys heard in the news, uh, resigned or, you know, retired or whatever the case was, whatever they call it. Um, and then after that fact, they ended up finding like he had falsified his resume and all these other things. It was just ridiculous. It was a lot going on. 
uh, the city of East Lansing's police chief, or I think police chief quit. Uh, you know, they had a couple board members back out. I mean, it was, it's just been nuts what's been going out there on out there from their administrative There was a level. student walkout. They closed yeah. school a couple of days. Like this was all, I think it made state news for sure. I don't yeah. remember if it made anything else, but it was just all in the news. And I'm not going to say that was like dramatized a little bit, but in some ways it just got really polarized, but it wasn't necessarily like a, no, a, I think it's what issue. we needed. It needed to be transparent. And it, yeah. And it, and their, their media, ELI out there, popped it all out. We were hearing about it all. So anyways, with all that being said, throughout that process, we met a, I met a woman named uh, Cherie, who was a parent of one of the young men who, who was having issues prior, uh, who just showed to be a force in this realm. It was somebody that we, we, we identified immediately as somebody who kind of shares the same values as the village. And uh, we was like, well, how can we help you, you know, get this thing together? So um you know we decided through you know all of what was going on that there needed to be some some sort of a parental advisory committee or team to come together and try to you know kind of hold east lansing's feet to the fire i will say uh through this process and me being involved in the way that i was and i've kind of backed out of the administrative you know lpat stuff and eric is kind of taking the lead she just got off of one of the meetings now um, and if you are a parent who wants to be involved with the lpat it's the east lansing parental parents advisory team contact us erica there's also uh there's an email list they can add you to uh but in that group there's like school board members the superintendent has been involved very heavily uh they're they're having good conversation back and forth and east lansing is listening to the parents and it's mm -hmm. it's a whole different environment than what you really see around here um, it's all very um action oriented yep and so that that whole thing has been going on and we, we kind of helped get that together. And now it's it's its own life and it's, and it's moving. And I thought that was amazing. And uh, again, she just got off a meeting with that. But huh, everybody's having their issues. Um, so with all that being said, I, I, we put out a, a poll today and uh, we asked with the with the city charter. And I'm just kind of bouncing around here. But with the city charter um, amendment coming up on the november ballot for vote which means that it's being voted on whether or not to open up the, the the ballot or excuse me open up the charter to find if there's anything in there we want to change about the charter right um i put out a call because one of the things in the charter that can be changed that i am very uh very um supportive of excuse me is moving away from the strong mayor uh we know that the strong mayor has really been able to and i hate saying strong mayor because that's absolutely not what we have but it's just the system right he, he's not a strong mayor but we have a system that's called a strong mayor but the strong mayor system allows one individual to really uh run the city in in every way and 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 really they've used the city attorney to set other things up that were supposed to be kind of stop gaps they've used that even the power of the mayor's office and the city attorney's office in order to like even redirect some of those things that were supposed to be for us as stop gaps back to the mayor's office. So this ju it's just there's too much room for corruption in a strong mayor setting. And I didn't want to be biased when I put the poll out, but I just put the poll out general in, in nature and asked. And so far up to this point, we've got 15 people that responded. Um, and it looks like we have three that responded. That they wanted a strong mayor. They still want the current environment of a mayor that we have. And uh, six asked, wanted a city manager. 
And six said, throw it all out and start over. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to put the throw it all out and start over people with the city manager people. They're people who don't want a strong mayor anymore, which is good. That means that they've decided that what we have right now ain't working. So we want something different. But mm-hmm. um, so if you see that poll, go to America 20 to life on Facebook, find that poll and and put your put your uh, your opinion out there. We want to see it. We want to hear about it. And you also asked if they if you feel comfortable to share your thoughts and on, on why. Yeah. Just. Yes, definitely. So in the poll, I asked that uh, with the charter ver- revision being on the ballot this November, we would like to hear from you on what type of city government you want the city of Lansing, Michigan to operate under. And if you don't mind, leave a comment and tell us why. And reason why I say that is because sometimes people don't understand all these things. And by your comment, I can I can feed information to you about, you know, what what you may not know, what I can tell. One person did comment on it, Cheryl Brand. She said, what are the benefits of a city manager? She's just honest. I don't really know. What are the benefits? She said, Flint left a bad taste on my mouth, so I'm reacting to that. And I said, I'm glad you asked and put in a video about what a city council ran uh, or city manager ran government looks like and why moving away from a strong mayor is positive so that she can see that. So, um, yeah, so that's just if you see that poll, go out there and get at it. Um, outside of that, uh, we know that Donald Trump was just, uh, indicted on, I believe 31 counts of, of, of fraud of some sort, uh, defrauding the people, um, basically in the way that they're drawing this in. And I had to really figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> the way that they're drawing this in to be a felony is that they're saying that it, it was campaign finances that, that he used to do this, but also that it was an effort to win an election. So there's they're drawing the act, which would have probably been just a misdemeanor or like just a financial problem before they're drawing it into a, a, a criminal situation and a felony by saying that he did it in order to not have bad press so that he could win an election. Pretty crafty by the Dems. <laughs> Pretty crafty. Uh, you know, whether or not it's true or not, whether or not it's ever going to stand. You know, I think that this set of precedents that Trump has done since he's been in office, he set precedent after precedent after precedent. Some of the things that we're even seeing our own local government do, you know, just I'm going to do this and you can sue me over it. That's kind of been Trump's mm-hmm. thing, right? I'm going to do this. I know it's against the law, but how long can you hold out? Do you have the attorneys that are better than mine to fight it? And he's been able to do a lot of things under that guy. So uh, we've seen that same environment here in the city of Lansing. So it's like they're setting precedent that, you know, other people around the country. So he's really changing the fabric of the country by the way he's handling Has things. Already yeah, he's already fabric. changed the fabric. Now, this changes the fabric, too. Now you have a, um, you know, an, an ex-president who's 45 uh, being, you know, being arrested, basically, and, and, and arrested, in quotes, because he didn't have a mugshot. He never went into handcuffs. And I've just never seen that happen. Uh, and I think that that's pretty... It's not. Yeah, that's pretty not just telling, but it's it's discriminatory in nature. I believe that if you dragged, I don't know if LeBron James got caught stealing a pack of bubble gum, you can guarantee there'd be a walk of shame. There'd be handcuffs. There would be a mug shot. You know, uh, there'd be a big old thing. So, you know, even though he talks about the government, you know, out to get him and all those things. And some of that might be true. Uh, they still were pretty lenient with him because this could have been disastrous uh, for him. But but disastrous for who? And I think that's the reason I brought this up. This, this is the conversation. Disastrous for who? I seen one one of our one of our uh, our America fam had posted kind of an interesting take on 
Donald Trump in this situation. And we know that the the prosecuting the DA in New York is a Democrat, like widely known Democrat. He's criticized Trump and all this stuff going on. Right. So it's obvious that he has intention and it seems to be kind of personal in a way. But I don't feel like the Dems do anything. That doesn't benefit them in some way. And just walking this guy on a perp walk and like getting these 30 charges against him that most likely will never go into the scenario. He's never going to go to prison. Just just so we know. Um, He's done much worse. What do they benefit out of this? Yeah. And that was the question. And the, inter- the interesting take that I read was he his his conspiracy is, first of all, you never you never underestimate an enemy right? or somebody that you you know that you're having a feud with. And the, the, the feud of the enemy is the Dems. Right. From Republicans um, or the Dems. F- you know, have a, a feud with the Republicans. And so the for Republicans underestimate the Dems and think that they're stupid, right? You're dumb because the, the impact and when I started talking about this was what does this hurt? Does it hurt Trump necessarily? It really hasn't because it brought Trump who was literally like in a, in a, in a closed door, like licking his wounds. It brought him like he was live on CNN in prime time yesterday with his whole bullshit speech. And, you know, and and now all of a sudden he's kind of like riled up his Trump supporters again because he's the victim of the the funky government that's doing all this craziness. And, you know, throughout this through through this, you know, this um, this uh, status this guy made in his interpretation of why this could be. I was thinking about it like, wow. So it helped Trump, which seemingly would hurt the Dems. Right. Or seemingly would like uh, I shouldn't say that he got he got charged with felonies which seemingly would hurt trump but it didn't it boosted him to the forefront which now they're talking about like political analysts are saying he's probably now the front runner and nobody's paying attention to any other republicans who are talking about running for for presidency he's now the front runner so did it hurt him no it didn't it really brought him to the forefront but also this is how diabolical this shit is it could have helped the dems because the dems probably couldn't win another election under Biden against a a strong like conservative that hasn't been involved in all the Trump bullshit Republicans that may actually know what they're doing. So like (laughs) the Dems could have said, and I'm just, let me play this. Cause I, when I read this, I was like, fuck, that's an interesting take. That's I would have never thought about it that way, but that's some real shit. Like how diabolical this is that the Dems sat back and was like, we can hurt Trump. And he can be the first president to get arrested. Well, we know it won't really hurt him because he doesn't care, right? He's going to play this thing up. his followers don't care. Yeah, his followers don't don't care care. either. He's going to play this thing up and it's going to boost him to the front because there was other Republicans that were coming forward that were sounding pretty good, right? They were conservatives. They're, you know, the the conservative Republican, not the wanky far right ones, but the conservative guy, kind of like a moderate in the Dem Dem world, right? This, 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 the the search, um, what am I looking for? Conservative. Republicans come up and we might not have a chance to beat them as a Dem, right? Because the Dems have been screwing everything up, right? And they've got this whole team of people that's kind of in, in their mind and everybody's eyes. People are, tired of really, shit too. people are tired of the Dem shit too, right? <laughs> so if they had this other viable, you know, Republican that comes up, Strong he, he might, and, and, and it was so close, like, yes, Biden beat Trump, but they had to recount some places and it was kind of tight. If they had in, in the Republican Party, even the far right was kind of even coming. Now they're trying to find a home because Trump kind of fell off the map. 
So some of these people were coming. Republicans. Yeah. Some of these people were coming away from that wild right side and they were coming more towards the middle and they were like building, building like uh, influence and status around that. And that was dangerous for the Dems because Dems have been kind of messing up. So it would behoove them to like, we got to give Trump a boost of a boost of signal Something. here. Yeah. <laughs> we got to give him a boost of signal. I know what we can do. We'll holler at the DA over there in New York. We'll press him because he's a part of the Dem party too. We'll press him to bring these charges, which will victimize Trump and everybody will think they're fraudulent charges and we're doing this and this not to win. So they'll get behind Trump heavily, but we know Trump can't beat us. How diabolical. If that's true, I mean, to, if that was true, listen, and we know there's some truth to it, this shit. It's not even about true or false, because here's the thing. It is plausible, parts of it, very plausible. Because think about it this way. Being truly honest, it, was Biden the best candidate? Absolutely not. Don't. Right? He wasn't but even the best you, candidate out of the people. Out of the primary. The, yeah, the people as, that, no, he wasn't far. the best candidate out of the two people that ran. Oh. <laughs> and I don't like Trump either, so that's tell you how bad He was Biden the worst was. of two evils, right? Yeah. So that's kind of the situation that we were in. And that is a very, very interesting take. Very interesting, because I, I, this is the first I've heard of it, so I'm working it through my head as you were saying it. And you I'm know, like, you I know what? I should read it. Yeah, and maybe, you know, pop it to me so I can link it into the comments, because that's a really interesting It's pretty read. long, so I don't want to do that, but. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought it was like a post, like uh -uh. A, somebody's post. So it I is a post, but it's long. It's really, really interesting because you have to think about the optics of everything. And if you listen to critics of, of, of Democrats and even Democrats themselves criticizing the, the party and how they've been moving over the last, you know, four to five years or whatever the case may be, it's like Trump gave this opportunity of like this polarized figure to be able to constantly criticize. There was always something crazy, some crazy stuff going on. And we were like building, building, building. And then it's like, once he was out of the way, you would think like, now nah, we can highlight the real work being done. But the problem is, is there ain't no real work being done. So now we're back in this cycle of like, put Trump in the forefront because he's a shit show. So now we can start talking about and playing on people's fears and all of our things of That's like, oh right. God, we can't have Trump back in That's office right. again. We can't have Trump. So no matter who we put forward, they're better than Trump. That's right. And ain't that some smart think diabolical about, it shit? It is because think about and 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 hear hear me out because you got to be honest about things. We have to be honest. DeSantis, terrible person, right? Viable candidate. Yeah. Very viable candidate. Yeah. He has the background. And they're he has talking the about Pence he, might have ran, and Pence would have been a real viable candidate. Gosh. So let me read this, though. So, yeah. So I'm going to credit Sean Bertolino, who we know all know is a Republican. Right. But he, he's and that's fine. One of the worst things he says what he says. So I'm quoting one of the worst things you could do is underestimate your opponent. This is true not only in sports and business, but also in politics. Like kind of how Andy did us. Right. Underestimated. Didn't have any <laughs> idea. Underestimating your opponent makes you lazy, complacent and uncurious of how to uh, have continued success. Conversely, not under not underestimating your opponent makes you vigilant, aware of your surroundings, and hungry to win the next battle as strategically and tactically as possible. I consistently hear Democrats speak about how smart Republicans are, how they're always two moves ahead, and how they're always plotting for the future. I also consistently hear Republicans speak about how dumb Democrats are, how their policies will never be accepted by the mainstream, and they always think of the now and never the fu the future. It's curious, then, how I'm hearing with all known information available to us, the indictment of President Trump is factually weak and most likely won't stand up to serious legal muster. And I've heard this, too. That's why I'm saying, like, like even even Dems are like, this ain't going to hold up. This ain't going nowhere. 
An entrenched Democrat DA looking for his 15 minutes has brought the indictment when others like him refused, done so in an entrenched Democrat city and state not naive to political jockeying nor how national politics work, has somehow unified the Republican Party and all but ensured Trump's nomination for president. Given the disastrous results of 2022 for Republicans, partly due to guilt by association with Trump by the average voter, if I didn't know any better, it's almost as if it's exactly the outcome Democrats would want if they wish to retain the White House, the Senate, retake the House and build on their state legislature victories across the country. This, of course, assumes I don't underestimate my opponent. Just my take. I could be wrong. And I was like, pooh, that is interesting because I, I didn't see that one coming. And I just have a it's, I watch politics like sports. I really love when people know what they're talking about or even have a good take on it. And that was a good take, man. Um, and I've seen the Dem Party. Obviously, we've seen what, what, what they did with Alyssa Slotkin, you know, moving her up here so that she could run for, you know, the Senate seat. And so, I mean, like. They see the map the way we see the map is Michigan. Well, first of all, we see our neighborhood the way the average person sees the map. They see their neighborhood. Then they see their their side of town. Then they see their city. And that's pretty much where their vision of the map goes out as far as like their influence or where they think that they need to be dealing with things or touching with things It's pretty much citywide. But these Dems in Michigan and these Dems across the country, and I'm not saying just Dems, but all politicians, they see the whole map of the United States the way we see our neighborhood. So it would seem like it's crazy to us to think that the Dems in Washington would say, hey, Alyssa, you need to go up there to Michigan. Don't you have roots in Michigan? Yeah, I do. I was born there and raised there, you know, and I moved down here. For, you need to go up there and move into this district and start rallying around because this Senate seat's coming up and we need you there for it. And I'm not talking about the seat she held. I'm talking about the seat that's just about to come up with Stabenow. They probably had that projected out eight years, five, five years, probably at the best. They probably said, OK, we're going to need you to get up there because Stabenow is going to retire, retire in 2024 and we need you there. This was back in 2018, 17. They probably had this conversation and then she moved up here for it. We see it as a neighborhood. They see the whole map as a neighborhood. So they're like, if you need to go to Oklahoma because that's a battleground state that we need you somebody in, we'll send somebody there. So this is not what happened right here with this D.A. who's a Democrat. This is not beyond reasonable that this could have actually happened exactly the way it's Sean said. So, so close to reasonable that it's not even funny. Do you all remember when you were a kid? I'm about to send you something. If you can pop it on the screen. Do you remember when you were a kid, there used to be those games um, there were little puzzles, but it was like a slider game where you had to slide the pieces, right? And at the end of it, if you got it right, it would form a picture and you could kind of see whatever, but it would be really hard. Think about in politics, it's that, it's that, it's a slider puzzle, except they've already seen the picture. Right. So they know exactly, they know the path that they need to take and they're moving every single piece around very deliberately and very intentionally to get that picture. Where we don't know what it's going to be at the end. Uh, they do. They've seen the picture. So they're just sliding pieces in place to make room for that piece to fall down and that piece to be able to move this way. Because you got to move pieces, variant, right? And, and Andy was part of that process until he came to Lansing and screwed up. Um, yeah. I mean, his seriously. Piece, his piece was just sitting in there like. This guy from New what York do we do City. With this? He's from Long Island. 
No, this he's that white piece. Remember that one piece that's not part of the puzzle? It's just meant to be a barrier for you, and you got to move around it. Do you remember that piece? That's no. Andy. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, the thing. Okay. That's Andy. He wasn't, though. He wasn't. So, I he mean, was just look puzzle. at the trajectory. This guy moved here from Long Island, New York, went to college in Michigan, which is in Ann Arbor, which is, you know, by a standard of living, is a better city than Lansing, but decided to move to Lansing uh, and, and pick up politics here. I mean... Worked for the Michigan Municipal Municipal League. You know, it's obvious that he was a plant. He's somebody who was supposed to rise in the ranks of Democrats and just screwed up. But, you know, with that being said, and then what we've seen with Alyssa Slotkin, it's obvious that there's a lot of plays that go on around us because they're seeing the whole map like a neighborhood. And we, it's beyond our thought process because we're like, why would somebody move all the way up here, like move into a district? And then, like, try to rally for that district. But I said that I always say that about Lansing. Lansing is a weak, is a weak system to infiltrate in every level. If you want to be a club promoter, you can come to Lansing, and you're the new kid on the block. And all the city of Lansing who doesn't know their identity and really has no, really has no pride in in their own shit to be like, no, you don't get to come here. We got promoters right here. Will jump right behind that promoter that came from Albion or came from Jackson or came, and I used to see this even in the in the in the street game back in the day, you know. And and when I say this, think of every movie you've ever watched. This shit is reality. The wars are over turf. So if I'm from this neighborhood and I I control the dope and everything else in this neighborhood, you don't come here from Jackson and drop dope in my neighborhood, and I'm just going and there's not going to be no beef or no fight. But Lansing is because I can remember even when I was when I was younger. There was cats from Detroit that came down here. If you watch BMF, and most of y'all that are watching this probably don't, there was a scene in there where they were talking about we can expand out into Lansing. Lansing is a real weak spot. They, there's nobody down there. There was people down here when they came. They just didn't <laughs> give you. They just didn't give you no bullshit. They didn't, didn't fight you. And it's the same thing with everything in Lansing, even politics. They, they don't. If you're the new kid on the block, you're going to get way more support than somebody that's from here. If you're from Lansing, man, there's so many haters, so much envy. They're never going to want to see you climb up. That's why we've really kind of never had a Lansing made uh, mayor or anybody in any high position that stays here once they get there. Because you got to kind of move on. You can't. Lansing is not going to support you that way. Um, And it's prime for like an out of towner to come here and boom up like you could be a nobody in Detroit. You come to Lansing and just say you're from Detroit and they'll give you the key to the city. Because that Lansing just has no vision. They have no 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 self understanding of what their worth is. I mean, and we try to make people understand that. And I try to say this all the time. And I seen this like a couple years ago with like all of this, you know, the pop ups and all of this stuff going on. And when everybody was doing pop ups, and I was thinking like, why is y'all paying this person seventy five dollars to pop up a tent in Yo Park, and she don't even live here? Let this person comes from Detroit every weekend to do a pop-up y'all pay her 75 she's making a thousand dollars a day on all of these local businesses that want to pop a tent up and nobody stops to think why are we paying her anything we can promote this ourselves and do this shit ourselves or there wasn't anybody in lansing which we knew there was there was other people that were doing the same thing but the people from the city wouldn't support them because they were supporting the one that came from detroit and i'm sitting here looking at this like y'all is weak as shit why is y'all letting these out-of-towners come here and soak up all this stuff? Like, So same thing with politics. You got people that could come in here, the new kid on the block, and just everybody gives them. I mean, they'll go against their own kind, their own people to support this person that came from out of town. Lansing is a weak spot. And I said all that to say that if I was in politics and I would move into this state, 
and I was trying to figure out where I, and I was in politics. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, this is my thing that I'm doing. I would just say I'm moving into, I'm moving into Lansing. They have a weak voter base, like their base, their base doesn't vote. So like, there's only a small amount of people that I got to deal with. Cause could you imagine if 60% of the community voted, how many flyers you'd have to send out, how many doors you'd actually have to knock? Like, mm. I mean, it would be so mm. hard, but they don't have that. It's a small community that votes. So they really, they just got to go to the churches, go to the neighborhood meetings, send out some flyers to this small little list of people to vote. And you can win an election, just that simple. You got $100,000, $150,000, you can win an election in Lansing with no problem. Because nobody's going nobody's gonna to like check your, your background. Nobody's going to worry about, come on, we don't want some New York. Like, I can remember when uh, the salsa commercial was like, New York City? We don't want <laughs> no New that. York City in here. You know, and that's like real talk. You go to Texas and then you're like, oh, we got some New York. This, this paste picanto was made in New York City. Sounds New fun. York City. Yeah, because they understand they worth. No, we got people right here making salsa. We good. You keep your New and York City stuff. And if you stuff. feel like that's encroaching on it or whatever the case may be, because who's, you know, we know what investment looks like, feels like, right? We've watched people homegrown run for city council and, you know, Farhan, the passion that they have for being here their whole lives, for going through the Lansing School District, right? We understand what that looks like and it feels like. And again, there are people that can move here at some point or whatever and have that same investment, but that's not what we're seeing at all. So it's like when you, when usually when you feel that encroachment, see that encroachment, it's like people will then figure it out and go, wait a minute, and rally around that homegrown and make sure that we do everything we not can. Not Lansing. Woo! It's almost like, I don't even know how to explain it, but it's in so many different facets. It's in everything. It's in politics. It's in business. It's in, you know, and you see it. People like complain about it on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And I see both sides. Like I've seen people say, you know, don't expect your friends and family, blah, 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 to support you. You're, it's a business. You should be whatever. That can be true. And why do, why is that even a conversation? Your people, your community, whether they know you're not, where you're from, should always be the default to to accept and to promote and to support anything you're doing if you're doing right, right? But it's like this gut reaction to be like, who's the who's new? Who's new? Where are they from? Who's the new? And it's like, what? Yeah. Well, that's because everybody likes to pull everybody's dirty laundry out. Well, that person, it's they, a they used to. I went to school with them, and they was, and it's like, damn, you don't, you didn't go to school with them. You have no idea what they did, what they are, or who and, they and are. Apparently, and you, you don't just, even care. Yeah, no, it's just the default that because I don't know nothing about them, they must be good. I don't know that understanding, but I'm saying that it's it's prevalent in Lansing. And if I was going to be a politician that needed to move somewhere in the state, I'd definitely come here and run. And it's the opposite for uh, you know, like for me, it's the opposite. If I see somebody that I know from back in the day or from my, you know, you neighborhood get it or whatever. And not, no, I'm just saying when I see them and knowing what I know, and it might be, I've seen people that I've gotten into physical altercations with you better stop <laughs> back in the day people. that I'm like, hell, fight. no, that was, we're talking young days, but I'm like, hell yes. Get it girl. Yes. I love it. There are people like, to know where somebody came from or to know the, the similar struggles that we've all faced and growing up, you know, I love to see it. You I know, would never that, want to bring that out. The I thing would that never, does it you know, for me is the fact that I know you love yeah, anybody that grew up in a city is going to love the city. You know, so I know that the, the default for you is going to be to want to see the city do well. Yes. The default for you is that you got family out here that you can think about. Like yesterday yes. when I seen the police chase, the state police 
troopers they were chasing. So we're going to talk about that. Mm. But I just want to say real quickly, I don't just see the police run by and I'm like, oh, get them. First of all, I would never be that way because I don't really believe in that. But I've seen a lot of people, you know, like, you know, you see the scanner feed and they're like, oh, they found a gun. And that just justifies it all in their mind. For me, I'm thinking like it was six o'clock. It was probably six fifteen when I seen them go back, go past. Right. Six fifteen. They went past shoop, 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 right down, right down Holmes Road, crossing through Pleasant Grove. One of the busiest intersections on the south side. Sort of. And I'm like, yo, we both what about like- somebody, mom or grandmother that's walking down, you know, like trying to get across the street? Or if they lose control in that area, you got barbershops for two barbershops on that corner. You've got a meat market on that corner. You got quality dairy. You got a kid's school or kid's uh, community center, which where we were at, all right there. And y'all chasing this dude and then find out why. Why they chasing him? Because a stolen car. A stolen car. Y'all was willing to commit mass murder with a vehicle over a stolen car and chase these kids all through neighborhoods and so on and so forth. And so for somebody that lives in this community, my default is always going to be, and I'm going to think about this, where's my family at? Where's my mom and where's my sister? Where's my cousin at? Where my? That's what I'm thinking. So when I feel like the default for somebody that's from here is always going to be that. Every time they make a decision, they're going to be thinking about how it affects the, the, the least uh, financially secure person in their family, they people. If you ain't from here, you, ain't gonna you don't there. have that. You can care about people and not be from a place and just not have the the understanding or the, the the empathy that you would for where your people dwell. Sympathy is different from empathy. It is. Sympathizing, I feel sorry for. I understand that. Empathize is I feel it here. I've been there or somebody that I love and, and the care about there. The panic that comes over yeah. somebody that's from the city when they hear things that are terrible. And I jumped, on the, see things. I jumped on the scanner immediately because that scared me. I, I was just like... I told him, I said, I was just, you know, thinking a car crash. Like that's, I don't even know how that, cause I was, I knew the intersection that they were coming from, coming through. And then I realized as I'm listening to this, they're literally driving like that through residential areas. I yeah. mean, full blown, we're talking Cavanaugh Road, Armstrong, um, what were the other streets? Lowcroft. Low Croft, all the way, like, ended all up the in way, Georgetown. Jolly twice. And that scared me. All those areas are places where kids are at residential houses and they're driving a hundred miles an hour through chasing somebody over a stolen car. At some point in time, you just got to let it go. It's a vehicle. We know like, even when we talk about our, 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 um, you know, when I do my CPL classes, Michigan, you cannot kill somebody or shoot or use deadly force over property. So I feel like when the police chase after somebody over bad tags, second time last night, we heard this bad tags. They chased the guy. It was a low speed chase. The guy had a gun to his head, dropped the girl out the car, got in the water at the Grand River. Gun we listened to this him. whole thing, still at his head. All of this over what they call to be stolen tags on the car. First, there's so much wrong with this when I think about how they over police and how they police. In the end, where they write, possibly the dude had a gun. We don't know the scenario behind that. He could have had a CPO. He could have been losing his mind at the moment and was like, I'm just going to end it all because I don't want to deal with any of this. Whatever the case is, we don't know. But what I do know is that Getting behind them and putting on a full speed ch- a chase after them, it 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 um escalated the situation from whatever it would have been. And all I can ever think about when I hear of these chases and all of these things going on, what was the reason, original reason why you stopped them? And we she sent me Erica sent me a clip because you can clip now the scanner. And the first thing they said, the lady asked, "What was the reason for the stop?" 
Stolen tag. Stolen tag. That not stolen car. Stolen tag. Yeah, what was the original reason for the stop? And then they come through and stolen tag. Stolen tag. Now they're on a full full uh scale chase with a guy with a gun to his head. Jumps in the rear. All this happened over a stolen tag. What did you even run the tag for? I always see my mind goes here, and the average person is like, "Oh, they oh he's got a gun. They found him in well, this result. Was, this is all this is all appropriate. They should have done all this." And the only reason why they think that is because the disaster hasn't happened yet. Where this car, like they well, could have happened two years ago when state troopers chased a guy uh, northbound on Waverly and crashed at Somerset uh, Houses right there on the corner of Jolly and, and uh, Waverly. Mm. Where we know it's a huge immigrant population. There's kids everywhere. You know one thing about the difference between immigrants and, uh, and, and Americans? We they they enjoy their environment. They be outside playing. Kids everywhere. They're outside. Fan whole families out there on the corner. If you go by there any point in time during the day, if it's a halfway decent day, and this was in the dead of the summer, halfway decent day, you're gonna have a hundred people out in that area over there. And not just that Somerset, but you got quality dairy. You got Family Dollar. You got a whole a whole um uh Rite Aid right here on the corner. They chased the guy down Waverly at a hundred miles an hour until he crashed into somerset over bad tags you got we got to stop doing it that's what i think about and so their their end result their conversation was well we found a gun and supposedly he had kidnapped a girl you didn't know any of that shit when you took off at 100 miles an hour chasing them you didn't know any of that everything that they report to y'all they found out after they already did this thing that could have ended in 10 kids dead that's what somebody who's from the city of Lansing thinks about when they see this type of shit. That's what somebody whose neighborhood that they're that they're playing cops and robbers in. And I don't know if I have to break this news to you I already knew those police officers that, that, that are working in the state patrol offices, the oh, straight okay. troopers, the blue cars you see riding around. Them guys don't live here. They're at a post and they have to drive in from Kalamazoo, Jackson, all over the state to that post. They get posted at places. Like like if you're in the army and you're at Fort Bragg, you from Michigan, but you're in Fort Bragg. Those guys don't care about your streets. They don't care about your kids. Now, I'm not saying they don't care about kids. Police officers care about kids for the most part, just like any re regular human being would. But I can tell you that if it was in their city where they live, where their grandmother's at, where their mother's at, where their niece or nephew could be in the streets and they start taking down off down Waverly going north at 100 miles an hour. And the guy that's behind says, hey, man, you guys are about to pass my uncle's house and my kids, the kids are all my kids are over there getting babysat right now. I bet you they slow that shit down. I bet you they'd be like, all right, break off chase. Let's follow them at a slow speed. Let's get some guys ahead of them. They'd start thinking tactics not to have to do 100 miles an hour through our exactly. residentials. But because it ain't they city and they know that this accident that might happen ain't going to result in my nephew or my son dying, let's go. And they're playing cops and robbers. You got these 22-year-old hopped up dudes mm -hmm. that are working for the state police that are brand new kids because anybody that's in Lansing on this duty right here because the senior guys get the post that's out on the highway that they don't really got to do shit or they get the post that's over here in Ionia where they ain't got to do nothing. They're protecting, you know, some farmland. The new kids get dumped in Lansing. Y'all go over there and deal with all that, that craziness because y'all hopped up and ready to do it. And they're here doing that. They come into work every day trying to play GTA the same way. They say the young men are out here playing GTA amongst each other. 
Those police come in here and they think it's the same environment. Cops and robbers. I'm telling you, and nobody that's not from here don't care about that. And because have- they're not thinking when they hear a street name come across the radio that I know somebody lives on that street. Let me call and make sure they good. Let me call. Oh, they going down Armstrong. My aunt lives on Armstrong. My niece and nephew's out there playing. Nobody thinks about that if you ain't from here. And if you're in that chase, I couldn't chase nobody down the street in Lansing because I know somebody on every corner of this city. And if we're doing 100 miles an hour, I'm on the radio like we need to slow it down. There's kids right here on this corner. Every time I pass this corner right here, there's 15 kids out here playing, playing, uh, you know, street ball or they're playing uh, basketball on the street. Whatever the case is, I know the neighborhoods that way. So I'm going to be calling that shit off every time. And I'm not saying you don't chase after criminals, but you have to have some point in time when you're like, this has gotten out of hand, it's dangerous. You weigh the risks and the benefits. So benefit being, this is not minority report. We do not know whether or not just simply fitting the description or your biases equal, or even if the end result is finding a gun, you have no clue whether or not that would have ever resulted in any type of violent crime. And the problem is, is again, perception of safety is as long as the end result is was we found drugs or guns in a vehicle with three teenagers, then it means to an end. It means to an end. That is a flawed way of thinking. It's, it's very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Well, I say this, that this is how you change this in policy. And I was talking to Adam Hussein because at the time when this flew past, we was at the South Side, Southwest Action Group, group. or something. Yep. So- we were at the SWAG meeting. Right there on Holmes at the Southside Community Center, right? We were over there and that shot past us. And I was I was outraged and I was scared. And I seen everybody else in the room was like, oh, wow, there's a police chase. You know, it was just like, you know, I'm not saying anything about anybody that was in the room. All these people care about people, but everybody can't make the correlation of how dangerous that was. Our responses were much different. Yeah. First of all, how dangerous that was. But also I'm thinking of the kids that's in the car. I might know them. I'm, I know that this corner right here is super busy. Shoot, we when we came in that building, four or five kids had just left there. Literally, like five minutes prior to that, they could be anywhere out there walking that I just seen. And I'm thinking, like, oh my god. So that's where my mind went. And so the way you change this in policy, and I thought this already happened, but in the some way states it has the way you change this in policy is depending on the crime that you witness committed, is how much chase you can give. So committed, committed, yeah. What you've seen happen, like for instance, if if you know the way they chased them, I was like, damn, was there a shooting just down on the corner at MLK and Holmes? And that's what they're chasing them for. That's a danger to public. And meaning if they get a description of a car, a white Chevy Malibu just did a drive by shooting. We have two victims right now and it was last seen going east on Holmes Road. That's the that's a chase that the police officer says, I've got I've got eyes on the Malibu. I'm turning behind it. What's the plate plate got 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 confirmation on the plate. Now you can take off on a chase. That's a deadly. That's that person just a damn near committed murder. That's a chase that you can make. Obviously, still keeping in mind how dangerous it can become. And if it ever gets to be too dangerous through residential neighborhoods, you don't allow it to happen. You have to call it off and do some type of. And it's not even some type of you keep chase at a slower pace so that you can keep up with them. You can put perimeter. They're going east on Holmes Road. I need somebody at Cedar Street to intercept there. I need somebody at at Mount Hope to intercept there. So these are things that you can do not to have to be on their ass the whole time doing 100 miles. Because every time you're pushing 10 miles per hour, they're pushing 10 more miles per hour. So they're trying to match up speed to keep away from you through these residentials. So that's the policy that we could be talking about. And city council could be talking about this uh, and, 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 and addressing the mayor and addressing um, 
you know, uh, Chief Solzeby to start having this conversation about what did we witness? What's the description? Why are we doing? Why are we going after them so hard? Exactly. Well, and just think of this. I want you to think about this, how this conversation could, could be having had if if those officers were called into the office because they did run into five kids What's and they're called in and the prosecuting attorneys like, tell me again why you guys took off chase. Well, I was driving down east. Uh, I was driving east on Holmes Road. I witnessed a person kind of, you know, slow roll a stop sign. So I got behind him. I ran the plate. The plate came back. Uh, his tags were stolen. Okay. And so what'd you do next? Well, I blurped them. They didn't stop. So we went on a chase. And it's important to remember inherently what a, a police chase is, a pursuit. It is literally intended to apprehend a criminal. So if the result of the chase criminalizes them, that isn't the justification for the chase in the first place. And I popped in there because what Mike is talking about, just, you know, talking about it in a common sense way, there are places that have literally enacted things like that. And I popped in Newark. So Newark in New Jersey, their guidelines say they can only initiate a pursuit if the officer believes the person in the vehicle has committed a committed a, a violent, violent crime, crime. Yep. or if the perpetrator poses an immediate threat, immediate threat to the public or other officers. In addition, Newark PD, they have to keep in mind other factors before they even become involved in a pursuit, including the area where the pursuit might take place, the weather. It was raining very hard yesterday. yesterday. Visibility was low. It was raining sideways. Um, safety of the road conditions and overall safety of the public. Lincoln County in New Mexico only pursues a subject if that person has committed a felony. In addition, every time they have a pursuit, they have to require two units, a supervisor to be alerted of the event. And they are told to disengage a pursuit if it becomes a danger to the public. See, that's what I'm saying. We just let our Oklahoma police City, officers. They adopted guidelines. Come our police on. officers in Lansing. And it's, it was so I seen these cars that went by. It was an undercover police officer yep. in, a, in a regular car. It was a, uh, a state trooper in Lansing police all shot after this guy. Somebody's allowing this to happen. And I've been talking about this for at least two or three years now. This this environment, this 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 everybody's a felon. Let's get if, if somebody doesn't stop immediately for us, we're willing to take this all the way with them all the way up until all the way up until killing somebody. Like we're willing to do this. And I just keep saying, like, how is nobody stepping in on this? Because that's more dangerous than the gun that was in the car. That that whole traffic thing that happened with the pursuit was more dangerous than the gun that they found in the car. The most dangerous thing that happened yesterday in both of those pursuits was the pursuit. That was the most dangerous thing. The gun to the guy's head wasn't as dangerous as the pursuit. All of that shit was da more dangerous than what they actually end up finding or what actually end up happening. They didn't find some mass murderer. They didn't find somebody just committed a drive-by. They never do. They're never chasing somebody that just did a drive-by. They're always chasing somebody because they had bogue tags, because they had tinted windows that didn't stop, because they smelt like weed and pulled off from a drive. Like I just, and it's more or less, and this is what it really is. I'm gonna tell y'all what it really is. It's control. The police are trained to control situations. And if ever there's five thousand police, I don't know. I can't remember the number, but there's like five police for every hundred people in a city or something like that, or one police officer for every hundred people in the city. So they're trained with this mind state that we got to show up loud. We got to be aggressive. We can't, we got to hold control. We can never sh show any weakness. And this is a part of control. I told you to stop. You seen them lights. I said, stop. And I'm going to chase you down until you die. If you don't, and I'm not backing off of it. 
I had conversations with Chief Green about this back when I was trying to get policy in then when George Floyd was murdered and he was trying to change policies or said he was. And he's he was talking about we pull off pursuits. He's like, we pull off pursuits. We will walk away from standoffs if we think they're going to get out of hand. I've never seen him do it. He said it was in their policy, too, but I never seen him do it because if it's ever in the policy, there's always going to be a caveat that unless this is happening, then we don't pull off. Mm -hmm. Unless this is happening, then we don't go. It's like the, the murder that happened during the same time George Floyd did. The, the police killed the guy that was having a mental health breakdown. And nobody talks about this shit. Nope. There was a Hispanic guy on the north end of town, nope. northwest side of town, that was having a Complete mental crisis. breakdown. His mother or grandmother, I believe, called into the police officers, police and told them he was having a mental breakdown. And the police showed up and ended up killing him. And, all, he, you know, and I'm just like, I don't know the way to you know, to rectify that situation. I just know that killing them was the wrong thing to do. So we have to think outside the box on this. But again, we always begin the conversation at the end result, which is the guy came into the house with a gun, you know, pointed at police. How did we knew he was having a mental health crisis and had gotten violent? People, his grandmother was outside, her mother was outside already. So there are so many different ways to come up on a situation that doesn't immediately escalate the situation. There are not enough things in place that are literally focused on the default being our only goal right now is to come in to de-escalate. You come in aggressively, loudly, violently, all of these different things to an already escalated violent situation. What do, what do you think we're going to end up with? So that's where when people talk about changes in, in policing, that's where that comes from. Because the only thing you ever talk about is the end result. Well, the guy pulled a gun. And always the end result. So if we only say the means to the end always justifies, the, you know, any actions, that's dangerous. And we're not figuring out any new solutions to problems that we know have deadly consequences. So yeah. we'll never figure out solutions. If we always say, well, the means justify the ends. Well, they found a gun. So that means that there is no better way, no better way to do it. Brian Koss says, we need the helicopter back in the city of Lansing. I'll be curious to see the crime rate stats from then to now, even though it's different times, different society. I don't disagree with that. I mean, we're in a time when things are getting out of hand. I mean, police, we obviously have to have police in the world, right? But let's be the, the most efficient, like we, the efficient and most harm reduction way we can be with what we got. Um, if it takes the, a helicopter to be, uh, you know, so first of all, the city of Lansing went out and bought this $300,000 van or bus, like a tactical bus, right? And then had to spend another $200,000 building a garage that could fit it. This thing probably never leaves the, the garage. By the time they end up having to use it, all the equipment in it's going to be outdated. It's a tech van. And it's for like hostage situations or mobile command sites. You could have definitely used a helicopter a whole lot better in, in what you actually do day to day. It would be like us buying a uh, a river boat for the fire department that goes 100 miles an hour you know how often they have to pull those boats out maybe once or twice a year and i don't think they hardly ever they put it in the water when they do water rescue training so it would be like us spending this type of money on something that we hardly ever use and then just completely eradicating something that we could possibly use that could be a safety safety mechanism like a helicopter if you're on a 100 mile per hour chase call it off as soon as it gets dangerous and have the helicopter over top that makes way more sense to me. Absolutely. Good point. I just found a picture of it. I'm going to pop. I can't pop the picture in the um, 
comments, but I can, Mike, we of course posted about it. I don't know when, um, but what? the Mobile Operation Center Lansing Police Department oh, tactical yeah. bus. <laughs> it was bought in 2020. You can screen, grab that, send it to me. And uh, then they had to, like you said, in addition to this, and once you see this thing, you'll understand, um, it didn't fit anywhere. So they had to actually spend additional monies to be able to house it. So, yeah. I had to download it. And when we show you this, you're going to you're going to recognize that you've never seen it. But it costs like two hundred fifty thousand dollars and you've never seen this thing and they've never needed to use it. A mobile command site would be something they would need if there was like a mass casualty event. If there was a hostage scenario that was going to take hours to deal with, you know, they would bring something like this in. This, which this brought up a conversation then and I remember it is, you know, it, it, with the conversation of like deployment of resources and allocation of funds substantiation of the need for something where's the substantiation that a city of our size and scope and the type of crime and how often we have needed that in the past and how often we've used it up to this point what 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 was the what's the substantiation for for spending that kind of money just to have it just to have that in our like <laughs> uh and i'm sure they probably use it for like the tri-county area and that's how they justify it. Like, well, Lansing is going to be the one that has the mobile command center. So if like they have an issue over here, but the problem is that we haven't they had have an issue, even in the in the tri-county area that needed something like this. So you really spent $250,000 on something and then an eventual another $200,000 on a place to house it. And it's never going to get used, but it's because they have an inflated budget. They don't know what to do with. They have no idea what to do with all that money at that same exact time. Chief Green spent $100,000 reuniforming everybody to black uniforms. You remember our police used to have the bright yeah, the bright blue, you know, like shirts those. on and they look kind of professional and now they look like damn uh, you know, black ops guys. That was that was Chief Green that made that change. And they, it's because they had extra money and they needed to spend 100 grand on something. And he said, "Let's reuniform all our guys and at change all the uniforms." At a time when they were talking about police and community relations. Yeah. And the whole conversation was and still is why do we keep militarizing our police? You don't get to have both conversations, say that you're committed to having good relations with the community and then you continue to militarize by uniform, by policy, by equipment, by tactics. Come on now. That's right. So, okay, so you're right, Erica, the officer has, so Brian says, you're right, Erica, that officers have two seconds to make a decision with a lot of, of lot. lives at risk we ask a lot of our officers not Way saying it no, not saying that that's not true and, and it is true um in, in a lot of fashion but better training better resources to things that matter for life safety that's meaning we that should be spending if we're money. talking about guns and not wanting guns and so on and so forth give them some other tool uh we spend a lot of money on giving them ammunition and guns and the best the best new gun and everything else and those are all things that in two seconds they have to make a decision they only got one thing to grab exactly um, there's just a lot of ways that we could be be handling crime in a more effective way but also a safer way for the environment and the only conversation i'm having right now because i could have a, a thousand things to talk about when it comes to policing the only thing i'm talking about right now is these police chases yeah, these things are getting out of hand and dangerous and it's not even the beginning of summer it's going to get crazy and the only thing i'm saying is we need to have some policy in place to where they're not taking off like you know they're chasing some convicted murderer who just murdered his, you know, some white, his wife or some five kids on the block. 
don't take off the, after every yeah. car that way. You I know, have that, some policy about how you take off after people. Yeah, I think that any time that you have a, a, an incident or a situation and where it is, it is noted that there were speeds of upwards of 100 miles per hour, I think that should prompt a review. That should immediately prompt a review. It should prompt a review of what is our policy? Do we need to revisit that? Why are we doing this? How, what was the risk? Where did it go through? You know, go if you have the neighbors app or go on neighbors app. If you have any, you know, those neighborhood groups, people were in there talking about it, talking about how it went through the neighborhood, scared the crap out of them. You know, they'll talk about their kids being outside playing. Like, think about those things. It should prompt a review to say, OK, before we get into anything actually happened, this is this is how this is proactiveness. You know, before we get to a situation in the summer where now we're trying to justify why a high speed chase was necessary in which someone ended up dead you know why do why do we wait to have that conversation before we actually look at how could we have done things differently because we'll wait till then to have the conversation that's what i mean why do we do <laughs> that's, that that's 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 government and that's people in <sighs> general we don't need to have a conversation yet we'll wait till somebody dies and a whole lot of people die then we're gonna have this whole conversation about why we didn't think about it so moving on um we know that so this is another thing and i want i wanted to touch on real quick and i'm, I'm pulling i'm pulling some conversation pieces in here so just Stay patient with me for a second. Uh, as you all know, we go to Florida for the, the winter time for a couple months in the winter time to just kind of break away from it all. And we always have to have this conversation about how we go there with our firearms, right? And is it legal? Is it not legal? What's the situation surrounding it? Well, Michigan's uh, CPL is accepted in Florida, and I believe vice versa in certain way. It's really crazy how Floridians Floridians can come to Lance or Michigan with a firearm, but there's rules and regulations and things they have to do and so on. So it's just, if you're going to be living here, you know, get your shit here. But outside of that, Florida has just now deregulated carrying concealed weapons, mm. period. Like you don't have to have anything with, as long as you can go buy a firearm at the store and you're legal to do that, you can carry it now concealed. There's a lot of things that are wrong with this. Um, I am a, I am a staunch to a supporter. I believe in the education of firearms. I believe in the validity of having firearms and being trained on them. The safety piece, the aspect that you can be your own first responder, the responsibility surrounding it. But I'm terrified of this right here. And I'll tell you why I'm so terrified and why you all should be after you hear what I say. I've had people and I've trained probably close to 400 people on CPOs. I got about 400 people certified for the license in the last two years of me teaching and what was longer than that about two and a half years um the conversations that come to me in this class and i appreciate all of them because anytime somebody asks what somebody might seem deem as a stupid question it is the best question because you asked it because you need to know and you had terrible information these classes are full of people who have been told by grandpa by grandpa pop that we shoot to kill which is completely and utterly wrong that if i pull my gun out i've got to shoot it no matter what happens don't pull it if don't pull it if you're not going to shoot it i can understand that terminology somewhat but if i pull it out i gotta shoot it um you know the questions i get asked of when i can shoot when i shouldn't shoot when can i can i shoot them now can i shoot them now you know if i shoot them i better shoot them till they're dead I get these type of conversations right. to me and I feel like I'm blessed because I get to answer those questions because you was going to do something stupid had you not have came through this class. Well, Florida is full of Florida men and Florida women. And if you know Florida, man, we talk about that all the time. Yes. 
when you're down there's, there's and you Twitter. see the news, it's like Florida man. <laughs> there's you know, Twitter handles dedicated to at Florida man at Florida woman because literally news stories start with that so often. Florida is full of people who just have no sense of reality. It's like living in The Sims. Um, and so you're thinking about giving these people the right to just carry a firearm or deadly weapon without any training whatsoever. Now, the training that they had prior to this was pretty lenient, too. It, I mean, you could go to a and I've seen this. You can go to a gun show. We went to the Tampa State or the Florida State Fair. They had a gun show at the fair fairgrounds and they were running CPL classes in there. Now, if you know anything about Lansing CPL class or Michigan CPL classes, they're eight hours long. It's it's it's, uh, you know, and it includes shooting and you have to shoot at least 30 rounds and you have to sit in the class. You have to go through. You have to get a legal portion provided to you by a lawyer. There's a lot that you have to take in in Florida. It's just like two hours. They just tell you about guns and how to handle guns and, you know, the things you should know. And then you have to shoot one bullet inside of a box just to catch all for bullet. You shoot one bullet just to show that you can shoot. And you get licensed. That what is that's what it was before, and now you don't have to have any of that. So all of those conversations that I just told you about that I've had with people, and I've had some, I've had to, I've had to tell people, like I had to get stern with people. Don't ask that question in any other fashion, because you're just changing the question to get the answer you're trying to get. When I keep telling you, the only answer to that question is this: the only answer to the question of are you shooting to kill is no. You're shooting to stop the threat. And they'll, well, what about this? What? There is no what about. There's one answer to that question, no matter how you form it. So by the time we get done with the whole eight hour class, they understand why it is that I said it the way I did and everything else. But, you know, you have to unlearn and relearn people. And down there, none of that's going to be happening anymore. You're going to have a whole lot of people that are going to go purchase firearms and they're going to be carrying it around at a grocery store. And the only thing they hear is this is stand your ground state. You don't you you shoot to kill. If you pull your gun out, you better shoot it. All of that type of shit is all they have in their mind because nobody that's an expert is telling them that that stuff is wrong. And that's what's happening in Florida. So I'm nervous about it. I'm already nervous when I go to Florida because Florida is like howl in a way. It's like, are they still racist? And then you see the Confederate flag. You're like, uh, yeah, I'm in a pretty bad spot. Uh, but Florida, all around Florida, unless you're in a metropolis area, it's 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 pretty it's pretty it's, it's almost pretty like awkward. Alabama. It's like yeah. it's it's pretty segregated, like still where like the black folks stay on that side of town. White people stay over here. The Hispanics stay by the crops because there's a lot of uh, migrant workers, farm workers yeah. there. Uh, it's it's segregated as shit. And, and they only really come a together lot of different levels of racism. Yeah, they only really come together at flea markets that's where you'll see white black hispanic everybody mingling and messing around but outside of that uh you know it, it's just nerving you know it's nerving to think that you got people out here that don't know what stand your ground means that are going to have this thought and i tell people this all the time doesn't matter what you know it's what the person who pulls a gun on you knows it's about the person that tries to rob you thinks what they know mm. and there's some stupid people out here that commit crimes man and i'm telling you like i always bring it back to this too i think about somebody that robs a bank with no mask on and then they think they actually got away with it. That's a mental illness that you believe that you walked into a bank that has a hundred cameras that they die pack bags of money. And you walked in there with no mask on, handed a note or with a gun, took that bag out of there and really thought that you were going to get away with that in your own city. You know, I mean, 
it doesn't matter what we know. We can sit back and watch him like that was the most stupidest shit. But that person thought it was a great idea that day. That person sat up that morning and was like, yo, guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to go rob Fifth Third Bank. Really? And so his buddy was like, for real? Man, give me a couple dollars, bro. Yeah, man, I got this gun, man. I'm about to go up in here. And not one person there is like, you know, they got cameras everywhere, right? You also know that robbing a bank is like an automatic 10-year federal charge, right? Awesome. And you know that you know that robbing a bank doesn't get the local police after you. The feds are going to come. Nobody said any of that to that person. So everybody in that room was an idiot. And then the one thing that somebody could have said, a friend of that person could have said to probably give them a chance to get away with it was you got a mask, right? But not one person said that. That's a mental illness. People are idiots out here. So when you think about this, all the people that are going to be in Florida handling firearms around with no training whatsoever, carrying them every day, preconceived notions about what it means to carry a gun. There's going to be a lot of vigilante justice. There's going to be a lot of bullshit. People are going to be killing people over property. Somebody tried to steal my car, so I shot them in the back of the head, and they're going to think they're justified. They'll find out they're not, but the problem is that person's already dead. So the only person that, you know, the, the only person that has a chance to win is the person that goes into court and tries to justify why he did it. And this scares me. I'm always terrified about what the person over there thinks because I don't know what they know. I don't know how much of the law they know. I don't know how much morals they got. What do they think? How aggressive are they coming? Are they coming that way because they really think they're right? Because, you know, somebody that's right in their heart. They don't care about nothing else. I feel like I'm right in my heart. So I'm going to do this thing. So it's just that nerves me about this DeSantis thing down there. I know the Texas just went to it. Um you know, I'm, I've been, I've, I've, I've switched on this because I've said before that I wouldn't be all that, but I didn't think about all of that. So I didn't think about, damn, what does that look like? Now I think about this because it's a money grab. What I wish would happen is that you pay for the class because that takes a person's time to teach you. Mm -hmm. But then once you pay for the class, then the CPL to go down and go to the County clerk is like 10 bucks. Right. What? How much does it cost y'all to really do this? You pay for the pay for the fingerprint, which I believe is fifteen dollars. You know, the background check they can just do by typing in, just like we do on iChat. I think that costs ten bucks, and then that so what's that twenty dollars that it You're should charge? For the actual service, but it's a money grab. It's one hundred fifteen dollars to, to to have your rights. So I think that I want them to have to go through the class, but I don't want necessarily like them to have to go spend that extra one hundred fifteen dollars to get the to get the cert. But the education and knowledge, I just that's a I'm, I'm really, especially in, in places, you know, Texas how much have you learned just by being my wife? So much over so, so, so much. And so much. Would you so, feel comfortable carrying without all that? Hell no. I think back to back when I first started carrying to now. And it, I cannot tell you how it's astounding to me to think about the ways that people walk around so uneducated about so many different things. But this one is like a whole new level. Because you get one shot to mess up and it's going to be somebody else's life and your life in jeopardy. Exactly. And I think the convert. So another thing, too, that's really important, too, is something I always appreciate because I get to overhear a lot of the classes often or I'm here or I'm listening to folks asking the questions or whatever the case may be. Or I'll hear people will call him because he makes he's very accessible. If you get any type of training from him, he's now accessible to you. And they'll call and ask the questions. And I'm always a little bit mortified by some of the questions and I can tell he is too, but he's always very patient and he's always very clear and he, you know, explains these things. But all I, all I think is like, what if people don't have access to that information? They don't yeah. have access to education. And then I think back to my very, very first CPL class, which was a shit show. 
It was stupid. It was awful. It was not a place that was conducive to learning or asking questions. So he creates an environment in which people feel very comfortable asking these questions and posing these scenarios. And that is so important. Yeah. Because if I could have like a red flag button, it would be like red there are some people that have left my class that I was like, I'm so happy you came to yeah. my class. And a lot of it is not just, just a class, but my class, because you needed to hear it like the way I yes. just told it to you. And a lot of it comes from a place of just sheer ignorance, like things that you've seen in the movies or things that somebody told you or things that people thought or things that just kind of make sense. But then you tell them and it clicks and they're like, oh, gosh, that makes sense. Or it kind of changes the way that they're thinking. I think, in, you know, with Florida going this way. There's a lot of layers to it, too, because you think about kind of the culture that, that exists amongst a lot of Floridians. Right. And, and a lot of the very polarized and political nature that people feel in, in you watch the ways that people feel entitled to people's space and people to get aggressive. And now you add this in and I'm just like, oh, gosh, I don't yeah. know. I don't know about this. So that's that. DeSantis did it. And this goes into effect, I believe, in July. I knew that was coming. He is that is that is a very I just have to say and acknowledge that is a very dangerous person because we always talk about policy, right? And how policy DeSantis or Trump. Um You had to have one of them. Mm -hmm. Nope, you gotta have one. You gotta pick mm -hmm. one of them. Mm -hmm. Which one's more harmful? That's no nope, you gotta pick one of them. You have mm -mm. to. There's no choice. Nope. nope. I'm not I I would. I don't think I would vote if it was between those two. You're not voting. You just. You're <laughs> just saying what you. What do you pick? You have to pick one. DeSantis uh, or Trump. You know what? I don't want. No I would have to just... go for. I'd have to go on record and almost say, <laughs> "This is good." I've. Th I've actually thought about this, <laughs> and this is because of my lowly opinion of Trump. I almost would say Trump because he's so damn stupid. He's less dangerous. He's less dangerous because he's so damn stupid. But what do you think about Ron DeSantis Trump? is not stupid. He knows exactly what he's doing and he knows how to do it. He's and a politician. He's, gonna be, he's a politician and he's going to be much more effective in a lot in of the, different oh, ways. In devious ways. In devious ways that actually reach down to us. Yeah. In my oh, opinion. yeah, for sure. Well, he's out. He's an open racist. I mean, he doesn't have any problem doing that. So that's. And he knows how to get shit done. Like I said. That's I, right. He, he got he this does. done. Um, just on the same kind of topic, are you concerned with Trump being elected with all of the turmoil we have going on with China and Russia? Because you remember how he kept like antagonizing mm -hmm. China, the Chinese mm -hmm. virus mm -hmm. and all of mm -hmm. that shit. And just where he really yes. had a like a thing about yes. China. Yes. Are you concerned? Yes. With that? Because I don't think, and I we've talked about this on the show before, I don't think Trump cares about the outcome. When we talk about kind of like, he's similar in the sense that, because he's dumb in in different ways. And I'm not saying there's some smart. He's a shoot to kill guy. He is a very reactive, doesn't really care about the end result. And when you live a life of privilege and you live a life of entitlement and you live a life that's so far removed from anything ever affecting you, you move differently. So there's a lot of things that he would do or like even war, it wouldn't affect him. It really wouldn't. He wouldn't think it would. He yeah. wouldn't think it would. That wouldn't factor into his decision making process. And he has a he's got that, you know, you know human nature is they got it. You got to you. You always draw back a thing on yourself. Yes. But if you're the president, you know, I'll be safe. Exactly. So that is that's exactly. true. 
And so for me, my family will be safe. Everybody I know, that's what that's what money, that's what privilege, that's what power, that's all of that gives you that insulation. And when you have that insulation, you make decisions differently based it's it's like the, you posted a video that 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 little cartoon yeah of, i'm gonna like post that work. actually in here yeah drop that in there because it's it's really really true because they pan out and it's like you know somebody playing a video game and it's this never-ending war and that's kind of what i think about with trump is like all of these things he doesn't think about the effects that it's going to have on uh, you know the people um on communities on our our nation on our fabric, you know, uh, the fabric of democracy. He doesn't give a shit about any of that. Why would he? He doesn't care about any of that. And that's a dangerous person. That's a really dangerous person. You want to see this? I'm going to play this video that I, I caught. I took off, you know, I think it was Instagram or whatever the case is. And there was like three videos together, but they're just kind of humanity and what humanity has done and what they're doing and, you know, and how stupid it's kind of, it's kind of plays to how stupid, you know, these situations are and then the outcome to it so you guys take from what you will It's so true, though, yo, when I'm watching it in the very beginning, if you didn't catch it, they're they're Neanderthals, obviously, or whatever, standing there looking at each other. Everything's cool. They look down. One of them grabs a gem. It's like a big, shiny gold thing. <laughs> and the other one takes it and he takes it back and they start fighting. And that's that started mm -hmm. that fight right there. It's never ended in nuclear war ended. that killed everybody. And these two people came out of their bunkers, seen the whole world was trashed. And went back at it. Just starts all over again. Mm. And that is just exactly what's going on in this world, man. And I and I see it just yeah. like that. I see it like, wow, why can't you two billionaires just chill the out. F out, man? Because we don't want any of that shit. And that's the thing, though. When you live in a society that is obsessed with punishment, obsessed with war. Power. Right? Power. Capitalism often like more often than not and there is i feel like a quote or something out there my brain's pulling it tugging at it but i can't quite place it but it, i think it has to do or maybe i'm just feeling that if way. a bear shits in the woods <laughs> is there something wrong no no but it's like when you have people that are making decisions very often they're making decisions that will never ever have ramifications affect them affect them personally so who is you know making those decisions is often very very important and their moral compass and their ethics that it does come into play there because they're making decisions for people for people so they're not invested in this they're not making a decision that is going to have a direct effect on them or, or people that they care about or that they love so it, it's a really really scary situation to be in that video is is 
it's embodies a lot of our nation and our society and it's like a wash rinse repeat the world not just our yeah nation, that's right? true it's definitely our nation and how red and blue go at each other it's I, crazy i think the united states though is extremely so the united states we are unique you know the unique is like because a nice we way smell, we're different we, we, yeah we smell our own shit we think we're the best yes. ever so the united states is unique and different because we love to just think that we are so much better we say it we live it we breathe it and we literally have a laundry list of things that are the exact same things the exact same actions decisions war crimes again the only difference is is that we exist rooted in white supremacy but we have committed the same atrocities against our own people against other countries that we vilify openly that we criticize that we go back to and we just we're so hypocritical because we ignore the things that we have done we are literally the villain in so many other countries stories and lives where we've murdered innocent children murdered family members all these different things that we talk about other countries for right and all yeah. of that we've done the same exact thing to our citizens to our own citizens <laughs> And yeah. other people. So it's like we are really, really unique because we put ourselves on this pedestal. And that is why we can't get the systemic change that we need when it comes to our own. Like we think about how, why does racism exist? Why can't we acknowledge it? Because we don't acknowledge shit. We do not atone or take accountability for anything. There's a scene from, um, I think it's called The Newsroom, maybe. It's with Jeff Daniels. And it's a scene that got really famous and went viral. I'll try to find it and link it in here. And it's it's not real, but it's it is real. And they ask him why why is the United States of America the greatest country on earth? And he said it's not. And he launches into this kind of thing about all of these different reasons. And it's really candid. It's really really direct. And I felt all of it because I'm like, that's it. That's the lie that we keep being told, and that's the lie we tell ourselves instead of saying how can we be the greatest country on earth we just commit to saying that we are yeah. like we are and i'm like mm, are we though and again for for critics that would be like then go here then go do this then go do that like you're I'm racist <laughs> that's what i say to critics that who is. say that you know i think that it's a really um that's a problem it's a problem with accountability it's a problem with mediocreness when you say that we can't be better or that this is the best we are the best if you're not taking a look at you know our country as a whole and how we treat its people and all of our policies on a federal level you know a state level all these different like then we're not you don't get to just say that it, it's again it's like com when you compare to the worst and you're you're so much better like what the kind DeSantis of comparison is Trump that comparison. exactly what, what kind of comparison is that be so better. i was at the be best public safety <laughs> committee meeting I was at the public safety committee meeting yesterday and HRCS was there again. Um, and there was a, there was a back and forth between Adam Hussein, who actually was apologizing and I didn't think he should. And, and, and we had a conversation about that afterwards. I think he was right. And if you guys watch, we posted, we posted the meeting, the, the, or the, um, the, uh, cow meeting on our America page so if you want to watch that Kyle watch it I think everybody should see it it's the first time that you've seen a council member look Andy in the face and say why and hold his ass accountable for something and and it was it was it was a moment um but it was also a lot of falsehoods told by 
department heads and so on. And um, Adam had questioned the housing ombudsman's job. And what are you doing out here? I don't see you out. Nobody sees you. Nobody knows who you are. And that's what we budgeted that job to do is be out here touching, helping, talking to, seeing people, people seeing you, people knowing who you are. Um, and you know, he got defensive, the Joe, I believe his name is got defensive and, you know, and Kim got defensive for him and it was all a thing on cow. Well, yesterday at this meeting, you know, Adam was like, you know, I, I understand that, you know, Joe was upset and, you know, you guys were kind of upset how that went. And I apologize if you were upset, but I think it needed to be said. I think that ever, the conversation that I was having was legit. I didn't do it in a, in a way that, you know that was trying to antagonize anybody or put anybody out there. Um, and uh, Kim felt differently. And I, I sat here, and I think you guys also seen my post yesterday on America where I said, you know, city workers, just know, like, if I see you and I say hi or I wave, you better act as if you, you I'm the same person as the, the person on the street, like the regular individual. Because given the fact that I've sued the city, even the fact that I won my lawsuit, given the fact that I worked at the fire department and had the issues that I had there, uh, people feel like because the mayor has gone up against me and we've had this thing and he's probably telling most of his employees, don't worry about him. He can you can say whatever you want. No, you can't. no, you can't. Uh, and I will hold you accountable. I don't care if you're the guy picking up the trash, the janitor or if you're a director. If you are out here acting like you ain't got no damn sense and you don't know how to be respectful at work, I'm going to take it to that point. It's not going to be a me and you problem. It's going to be a citizen of Lansing and a city worker problem. That's how I'm going to take it from here on out. I'm not going to take, you know, disrespect. I'm not going to take lippiness. I'm not. You're at work. I'm not at work. That's one benefit to not working there no more is I don't have that, that hanging over me. So you're at work. I don't care what I say. I don't care how I look at you. What I You better show respect. I'm always going to show respect. But you better, too, or else I'm taking your ass to H.R., I'm going to write down everything that happened. I'm going to descript it all. I'm going to have witnesses to it. And I'm taking you to the ethics board. And we're going to have this conversation. So you may not get any violations, but you're going to go through that shit. You're going to mm -hmm. go through it. So I said all that because I sat in that meeting last night, yesterday, and I watched Kim Coleman talk to Adam like he wasn't a sitting council member, a duly elected council member, who that he wasn't the pre the chair of that committee. So what happened was he said all of that and then she looked at him some funny way or like gave him a, a look on a snarl or something. And he said he responded. He I see you, it. he acknowledged it. it was like, I see you I gave me a face. look. You know, I see you gave me a face, you know, a look. And he was being polite. And she was like, yep, I didn't try to hide it. I did give you a face. No, I think she said I wanted you to. See I it wanted you to see it. And I was just thinking, what the fuck? You're at work and there's people here and you're not in a closed meeting. This is. There was like seven people from the community in there. There was four council members. The may uh, the uh, 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 deputy mayor was sitting right there. City attorney. The city office. attorney. One of the city attorneys. The office clerk. And you just said that on the record that I wanted you to see this. Mm -hmm. I'm giving you snark and I wanted you to see it. I was thinking, yo, these people have lost their minds. But this goes right back to what happened on Monday. When the mayor was asked if he ever does any type of uh, reviews of his employees. When we talk about reviews from the mayor of his employees, we're talking about of your directors. 
your direct supervisor, your direct subordinates. Yeah. And not only do you probably not do serious reviews or take any complaints on them seriously, you back that behavior because no employee would ever think that they're on the job be getting paid. It was three 30 in the afternoon. You're at work right now. And you could tell a sitting council member who budgets your job that I just gave you a dirty look. And I want you to know, I gave it to you in front of your boss. If that wasn't being promoted and tolerated, we just talked it about this happen. with Scott Sanford in the, the environment that he allowed to happen in there where a guy said, you want me to go punch Ryan Cost in the face? And he laughed. like, <laughs> And everybody joked about it. I was like, no, you're good. It's not funny. It's not work. It's not professional. Don't answer his emails. He's just an a-hole running. Yeah, you can't say things like that at work. Nope. This is why y'all keep getting sued. Because there's ways you have to deal in a professional setting exactly. that even I know. I couldn't imagine if I was sitting there at my last job in front of my captain and a council member said something to me and I was like, even in my current situation where I'm beefing with them, but I'm at work though this time and I'm sitting there in uniform and he says something to me and I'm like, I wanted you to see that, man, I'm going back for write-ups, insubordination, unbecoming of a firefighter, uh, against this code, that code, that code. Instantly. Instantly. No Instantly. questions asked. So when I Instantly. seen that behavior, I was like, uh, uh. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. And the reason I say that is because ugh, the director just said that. So you can imagine she got six employees under her. There's other departments that see that and they like shit. And I just want what? all of them to know, not with me. Don't do that to me because I will call your ass to HR. I'll be I'll, I, I even showed a picture where I'm going to park at. I'm parked right in the same <laughs> spot right by the bank. I'm put my shit in park. I'm going to get all my documentation. I'm going to go up there and I'm gonna be like, this is what happened. This is who did it. This is what time it was. This is where it happened. This is what they did. And I need somebody to answer to this shit right now. I'm just citizen. And that came to a head yesterday watching that because, again, that statement was that was so unprofessional. Yes, Mara, so unprofessional. That came off the heels of the meeting before and that entire meeting, the entire responses and everything. The tone did change because they did allow sporadic public comment which i appreciated they allowed some public comment from folks and we were addressing some things but at, and after that the tone changed but prior to that up to that point the entire tone was indignant just complete indignant indignant that i am answering anything that i have to be here that we're even talking about this and that is starting to become the narrative that's the trend that's what we see now of all of these departments when they're screwing up you know what the mayor should have said? You don't get to be indignant when you're screwing up. He should have did one of these. Sit your ass back. Put your feet down. You know what? I had you a better not say nothing else to that company. Literally, somebody needs like a come to Jesus talk with all of them because I, I had a director whom I respect extremely. I, I, I highly respect because <laughs> I will say this. That man would not, if there was something like a precedent set, and he was big on like culture culture like around things like we can be certain ways with each other and have that you know family oriented whatever but there's certain things that are just they were non-negotiable and for him he would address it every single time every single time very respectfully very much whatever i'm gonna need you to name. see you in my office every <laughs> single time i can remember one day leaving a meeting and i knew i'd went too far i knew it i literally said i'm like I'm probably gonna have to go get my box because I knew I probably went too far on on some things or whatever. But you know, 
It was a respect factor. We have a lot of mutual. She's respect like, my man her. got a job. I don't <laughs> care about this job. If you don't listen, she there ain't say no, that. I'm no I didn't. But it was always known like I'm going to be me because there's literally no job, no job that will ever like, you know, surpass that. But again, it's about consistency and it's about a culture that is created. And in that arena, in our in our center, there was a culture that was created that we will always treat each other with respect. We will treat everyone around with respect. If you have feedback, give it in a respectful way and we are going to be held accountable. We hold each other accountable. So I, I come from an environment and that's where I got most of my professional experience from at a very young age. So I have really high expectations. So watching that committee, the whole meeting was disturbing. And then I have to always think back to something that disturbed me very, very much. And this was yeah, Kim got snappy in the, in the cow too. Yes, but we're not, oh my God, indignant. Mm -hmm. But we also I have to remember snappy, back when, that's the character existed maybe of snippy. women. Snippy. No, no, I just, no it's she not. She got indignant. Yeah. She, but it was, no, snippy. It was snippy. Very short, very curt, almost snapping at people. It's it's an environment that's created. But then I remember back when Propaganda was doing his bullshit with the committees, when the first committee that he put together found the racism, found the problem, and was like, it's you. And then he was like, yeah, y'all can't meet no more and disbanded that and then created like the advisory one that Kim Coleman, you know, put, put the head up. She put out a formal letter, the response. And in that, and I'm going to paraphrase, oh, but Teresa she Bingman. literally, oh no, yeah. It was so Teresa Bingman. It reminded me of that. So I was like, oh my gosh, when, when she came out and said that. I'm like, this is an environment created in which people feel emboldened to say things, do things, whatever the case may be. Let me tell you, context matters. Adam is not a brand new council member. Let's be clear. He has earned the respect of, of anybody that's, that's on the other side of anything because he is very fair. <laughs> very fair. Yeah, Teresa Bingman called him bitter. Yep, in a, bitter. In a scathing, in a scathing uh, comment to LSJ, she said those people are just bitter. Yep. And so and when, when, I, when yeah. a culture like that is created, emboldens people to be able to do that, be public with that. And I thought that that interaction, again, you know, for her to kind of behave indignantly with someone who always is very patient, gives a lot of grace, and is very respectful and very professional at all times. Like, I can understand it can... Keep that same energy, right? I can understand that a little bit. So I can understand things getting a little bit touchy if someone's getting touchy with you and you're kind of matching energies a little bit and you're both at work or whatever. No, because you got be. an elected official though and, and a worker. Understood. But again, there's still a layer of like, okay, tone it down. You know, there's professional. That was it was completely unwarranted. Nothing that Adam was saying at that moment was out of place, out of pocket, unprofessional. It was all facts. It was truth. And it are things that you are obligated to answer, obligated to have the information on, and obligated to be held accountable for. So the entire layer of indignance that we, it, the behavior we see, is very dangerous. Can I show y'all something? Can I show you something? Yeah. This is how I wish Adam would have responded to Kim. Who responsible for all these holes in the street? You? Yes. Okay. So Rob Benzik, why aren't you fired? Pardon me? Why aren't you fired then? Why am I not what? Fired. 
fired. Yeah, if you got $11 million worth of money and can't keep up with the restoration and you responsible, not the mayor, not this council, why ain't you fired? Can I answer? Or yeah, I answer, answer. Since you responsible. Well, are you going to let me answer or are you going to yell at me? I'm we, y'all brought five lawnmower contracts to us months ago. We approved them. Grass ain't cut. Y'all brought $11 million worth of restoration and stuff ain't being repaired. So you want to play a game with Miss Galloway, but really the buck stopped with you. You think it's funny, Mr. Benzie? Oh, it's, okay, no, look, it's, it's I'm going to request an investigative hearing and I'm going to put you on the subpoena. Now you think hey, it's a you joke? Whatever you gotta that do. I'm gonna do what I gotta do. You up here arguing in the council meeting and y'all watching. Mr. President, when you got department heads up here laughing and talking about do what you got to do, being disrespectful and condescending, because we talking about high grass and potholes, and that's the man in charge, I sure hope y'all put him under an investigative hearing and swam in. I want you under oath. Oh. <laughs> that's how it's done that's how it's done let's go stop thinking the mayor gonna hold him accountable he's not but you guys at the council have the power to oh kim coleman you got three million dollars you got 1.3 you got all this money and it ain't getting done i want your ass up here why ain't you fired then if you responsible for this and it ain't getting done and the mayor ain't responsible and this person ain't responsible you are then why are your ass still here you know what this is so yo eric mays that's flint <laughs> that's flint that's flint look him up on tiktok look him up on air he, he's 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 hella disruptive in the first he place he's brilliant but he's hella disruptful he he, he 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 gets out of line a lot like he, he got this woman told him he was gaslighting him i'm not gonna let you gaslight he said gaslighting you using all these adjectives to explain me. I don't know what gaslighting is. You act like I'm about to bust on fire. He didn't know what gaslighting was. <laughs> so he was just going back. Don't you call me gaslighter. I'm not a gaslighter. I'm not an arsonist. I was dying. Oh it was God. hilarious. But this dude, man, he be do he be on top of it, though. But every meeting he fighting with somebody, he calling them racist and putting them out the meeting. If he's the chair, he going to put two or three people out. And he called the police in there to put them out. I don't want that type of energy, sure. but that energy we just seen, that's the energy you need to have for these department heads that think they can come in here and tell you they want, I I wanted you to see me, my, dis, my, my dissatisfaction with you. Yeah, I gave you a snarky look and that's what I wanted you to see. I'm putting your ass in the old two there. Now I want to, I'm going to full investigation in your department. Don't just whoop them in the budget, whoop their ass in an investigation of how they spent the money, what their job performance are. So the city ain't doing the reviews, but you can. They ain't doing by, no reviews on their by, heads, but you by can. By way of, by way of, you can. There's things you can do by way of. You just again, where there's a will, there's a way. You gotta, you kind of gotta figure it out. Just watching some of the. You think it's funny, Kim Coleman? Do you think what I'm asking you was funny? Oh shit, that would have been ridiculous. <laughs> I just think back. Y'all don't want me on council because I swear to God, I'll be yeah. Eric Mays for real. <laughs> but I'm, I'm gonna do it right. But I'm gonna be Eric Mays for real. The ethics policy, I'm like, yeah, it'll whoop my ass with that one. But it would, and that's fine. Be a one-term person, you know. But at the end of the day, you have to think about where he you he ain't one term. No, no, no. I'm saying. I'm oh, saying. he been there forever because oh, know. you know what? His constituents want him Thank doing you. that. 
Flint wants that. They yeah, need, so everybody else that. can be like, oh my God, he's crazy. His That's constituents fine. in the first ward, That's he's fine. from the first ward. They want him in there doing that. So they keep exactly. getting him in there. And you know what? When you when somebody continues to get elected like that, that, that means the, the people feel heard. That's that, right. They, they feel heard now. I mean, was he was he wrong? We give you $11 no. million dollars to fix these potholes. Why are they not fixed? Well, you came in here, brought us contracts with five different people to mow lawns. Our grass still 10 feet high. Why? Where's the money going? What's going on with it? Them is absolute good questions. Absolutely. And this dude didn't want to answer them. Okay. You, you know, something that disturbs me a lot with the, this, this is we're, we're five years into this, this crap and it, and it really disturbs me. Every time we talk about accountability, when it comes to these departments, again, these are departments, these are departments that have department heads, right? The department heads are responsible for everything that goes on in their department. That means the budget, that means any projects, that means the constituency, everything in that department they are responsible for. And you have layers, right? To, to, underneath you, you have subordinates or whatever you want to call it. People that direct reports, I will call them. People that report directly to you, you report directly to the mayor. That is just like a company. It's no different. When I think about how people behave and how people act when people try to question that, hold them accountable. And then you get these layers of what I really liked Ryan Cost coined as stand by your man, the stand by your man syndrome. I really like that because that is really, really toxic. It's dangerous. And it really, you will never get any substantial change. You will get no transparency. You will get no accountability because you have people that are just completely sticking blindly by employees. So now you have the mayor who will come out and it doesn't matter how many complaints come out against HR. It doesn't matter how many reports come out that says your HR is inept. Your HR is causing you to have lawsuits filed. Your HR is not doing their job. And then the only thing that you can come out with is I fully support my HR director. I, stand I, feel, I stand behind her. I fully support that. That is not the response of a good leader. So then you come out with, you know, code compliance and all that. I have the the only response you can come to the shit show that did not start this month in code compliance is I have full faith or what did he say about it? I have I, full faith in in, uh, in whatever the other word how? is. How? Why do you? How and why do you have full faith in anyone right now? First of all, I can tell you why, because I hired him and I put him there. And so I don't want to say that I don't. Because I hired him and put him in there, and I have such a small, a small ego. Like I, I can't. First of all, when somebody retires early, amongst a shit show of epic proportions, Brian McGrain went first. Yep, went that first. That came out of nowhere. That came out of nowhere. We Think know about why. that. Brian McGrain was Scott Sanford's boss. Brian McGrain left, and nobody understood why. He took another now job. Know. Now we know. He didn't want this shit coming up under him. We and saw that. He knew. Everybody knew this was on the way. Exactly. Think about it. So when that happens, then you have the then you have Sanford resign. And, and it's a shit show in there, right? There is absolutely no way you should have faith in anybody in that position because they just got there. So how do you have faith in anybody or anything? You know the department's not running right. We now know it hasn't been running right because, again, this is an overnight problem. And then you got two people that have no idea about code enforcement. What Scott Sanford doing. came on here and said that. I don't think that they, they don't know shit about it. So how are they going to be able to set it up? He ain't so wrong about that. So how are you coming out and making such a bold statement? Once you do that, now you got to stand on that. No, now he doesn't. Have... That's the problem. No, he doesn't. I when know. he makes statements like that, he ain't got to stand on shit. A whole two or three reports came out about HR director being terrible. And this is why all this stuff is coming on. They explicitly stated that. And this dude, his response to that when asked by the media, seems like they're saying your HR department is pretty. Yeah, well. You know, this guy's got a vendetta against you. Paid this guy to do this third party. You didn't like what it said. Now you got he got a vendetta against you. 
Come on, man. And then he says, well, I fully stand behind my HR director and I support her fully. Yo, that person is, uh, he's culpable now. At that point when he you says know, that. The second half to that is, I don't understand how or why we are accepting of personalizing employee performance, right? We sat up here and watched this it's at a, a meeting. It's a defense mechanism. The mayor is beautiful at it. You know, it, it's not just him, though. The, the, again, top down. He That is creating a culture where then you have, to, you have people sitting at a table that are supposed to be answering questions. This is all professional. None of this is personal. None of this is personal. But you feel the need to acknowledge it. You feel bad for the person sitting there because... They're what? getting told you know them personally. Bullshit. You know that they're not doing this. You know that you know what any good business cares about. I don't care about the feelings behind it. I don't care about the, the the context behind it. The bottom line is is we're in the red, right? The project didn't get done on time. We have QA issues. We have complaints. We're being sued. The company is losing. Nobody cares about any of that. The problem is is your department's not doing its job. So it doesn't matter how great of a person Jill Schmill is no one cares how great of a person they are they can be a great person and be terrible at their job do something the about it yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand that concept and that got said like well I happen to know this and then wait every, a minute you know what I say to that because I've been in that situation that exact situation where people start that and you know what I literally I'm like I have to stop this conversation she will do that literally I, I'm like I gotta pause I have to stop this conversation because they absolutely may very well be we are not discussing their personality. We are not discussing who they are as a person. We are not attacking their character. We are talking about metrics. We're talking about job performance. We're talking about meeting standards that I have made very clearly. That is all we are talking about. So if it's not surrounding that, I would rather us not bring that into the discussion. I won't even entertain that. And I'll say that. I'm not going to talk about that. I don't know where she learned this shit from. Where do you? Because you started off as a caller at American Cancer Society. A I caller. Did. A part-time caller making seven dollars an while hour. Going to school. Yep, part-time caller and moving her way up to supervise, <laughs> like second from the top, with a whole flood of people under. And and then you have the ability to do that. Bumping my head. That's what I'm saying. Making I mean, mistakes. that's a, it's a talent. You Making know, to mistakes be able to jump into that taught. without without any formal training and be be that good at it, be that smart about it. And having somebody being really honest with me when I screwed up or when I made a decision that was not the best one. And, and being willing to learn from it and saying, oh my, I've made the mistake of trusting someone's word and them telling me they're a problem, they're a problem, they're a problem, right? And I'm like, oh, because I trust this person. And so then I enact action. Then I have to backtrack and realize, nope, they did none of that. They had not talked to the person. They had not given them a chance to do any corrective behaviors, corrective action, none of it. So when I sat down with the person to counsel them, which is like, I mean, we're talking, we're getting ready to terminate this person. That was my screw up. I had to own that. And I was more, I was so humiliated because I was so new in the position and I didn't realize that I had entrusted without verifying. Never made that mistake again. Never will make that man, mistake again. Man, you'd be again. a good man. Like, Would you run for that position? Mm, no, I wouldn't win that. <laughs> yes, you could win that. Why couldn't you win it? I, Honestly, the it's there's so much involved with You'd that. You'd be a way better mayor than I could ever be. And I, I mean, know. no, yeah, because you no. have that ability and I don't. Mm. You want me to tell you what I told Kim Coleman mm. last night at that meeting? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I said. I I put I talked about her like she wasn't in the room, and I said That's anybody anybody that would get indignant because one of their employees is being called to the table 
is not in no type of leadership position. They they don't understand what business professional is, what being in you can't take personal personal the fact that somebody's giving you criticism that's constructive you should take that as like they're giving you something they didn't have to give you they could have just continued to let you fail and i was like what i keep seeing from all these directors is they keep showing up in here they get told they suck but in a good way like these are things you're doing bad and this is how you can be better and they're muling up against it and telling us i don't believe so i don't believe you're right i don't believe this is true the people are showing up telling you that council showing up telling you that and you're just muling up that's the sign of a weak person that's a weak leader you can't take constructive criticism you can't take direction yes you're director but somebody's got to be directing you in some way especially if you're messing up Mm -hmm. and i told them that in that room like she wasn't even sitting right there i was like for somebody's boss to say that she felt upset because her employee was being told about the terrible job he was doing means she ain't never gonna have that conversation with him first off and somebody needs to have that conversation with her Cause that behavior is terrible while Kim's sitting right here next to me. Literally she was sitting as close as Eric is right now. I went on for like four minutes. <laughs> Adam, let me talk. And I just snapped out on her, not on her, but on the situation no. and just stated, no, See, he I don't dislike Kim or any of that. Not personal. I dislike the stupid behavior. behavior. I dislike when people get personal or get like feel attacked because you're trying to tell them about it. How else can I tell you this? How else can I tell you that the job you're doing is not translating to the streets where it needs to be at? How do I tell you that, that you don't get butthurt about it? Kara Wood, oh, she even went harder than I did. And she basically told her, like, everything that I said is true. Everything Adam said is true. And I don't believe he should apologize for anything. That's exactly what this is the way that that uh, and she got told. Kim Coleman got told in that meeting what that position is, is budgeted for. And she didn't. I don't think she knew. So she was just having it because she came out indignant again. You know, you guys talked a lot about what he doesn't do. You know, our ombudsman is on the phone all day long. And she, Carol sat there and let her talk. I love Carol's poise. Carol sat there and let her talk. And I could see Adam look over and he's like, do you have something to say? And she was like, she did just like this, real calm. She was like, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Carol finna eat her ass up. So she let her finish talking. And then Carol was like, or she, or Adam was like, uh, uh, president uh would you have something to say she was like yeah and just went in that position we budgeted because it is you weren't here when that position was budgeted we budgeted that position and the line item stated that they were going to do such and such and such and we only did it because we wanted this person in the streets doing this and doing that and doing this and she had told her that after kim just told all of them what that position does and she's like that's exactly the problem you must not know. I don't I don't think Carol said it this way, but she said it in a way. I think you have a misunderstanding about why we budgeted that position. So us questioning whether or not we're going to rebudget that position when that position ain't doing what we paid for is not out, out of character. That's not out of pocket for a council to say, hey, we budgeted that position at seventy thousand dollars to be a person that's out here in the streets with these people when this stuff is happening. And you're telling me as a director that that's not what you're directing him to do. So really, in my mind, it's like that ain't even his fault. He doing what you told him to do. Well, I think something that really, really. Oh, but hold on. I'm not done. Because then Carol said, and anytime somebody comes there and gets told that she was like, we get lambasted every. And I'm me and Eric are sitting there and she points over like we get lambasted every day from the community. And we have to put. Yeah, we have to put our big boy pants on and take it and have to, you know, have to self reflect on whether or not we're actually, you know, doing what they're saying we're doing. And then we could change trajectory and do better. 
so I'm not going to sit here and get all in my feelings because somebody's telling me I'm not living up to my, my duties. I'm going to reflect on whether or not what they're saying is right and change my trajectory. So we need to pull our big boy pants up and get, I was like, oh shit. This is the first time I've ever, I know Carol got it in her because people talk about it. She's been there for 24 years. Carol has been through some of the worst times in the city, given now being one of those and some of the best times and, and the conflicts between the mayor and the council that Lots they've had. She's been through all of that. She's been through three or four mayors. So that was the first time I'd ever seen her jump up though. And it's because she sat there and listened to Kim defensive you know, snarky at Adam and all of that. And she was just not, she was done with it. And she just had to let her know, like, look where you need to, this is where you need to understand. And it's important to know she was literally there when the position was asked for and created and budgeted for and something that came out, what was said. And this was really disturbing to me is that, well, that's an issue with, you know, that's not the way that the job description was written. So that, so that, that, I'm going to just say this on record to say, I don't believe that. And I would love to see that job description because here's my issue with that. Well, Carol told your, us what it was. No, no, no. She's, I know. And then Kim Coleman said, well, that's not the way the job description is written, what you just stated. But they, they literally had this exchange. So I was like, okay, now we're trying to put it on the fact that he thinks he's supposed to be doing this one thing. But it literally says on the city's website that the housing ombudsman is an advocate for fair, affordable, and quality housing in Lansing. Duties include mediating tenant landlord disputes, homeless resolution, the liaison to code enforcement and supporting policies and regulations that promote fair and affordable housing. So it's telling you if you it literally says if you are a renter who is experiencing a problem with your landlord that has been unresolved and you would like to consult with the ombudsman, do this. So advocate, that's a very, very as the person that your job description says this, you're going to want to go on the website and see what it says people are coming to you for. How in the world are we going to sit here and say that everything that's being criticized and now you're saying, well, we didn't know he was supposed to be doing that. How? How didn't you? That's what you're promoting to the public that that they're supposed to be doing. Not sitting in an office, just taking phone calls, taking messages, making referrals. That position says that they are supposed to personally do something. Hmm. So when I'm referring somebody to them, to that office, to that phone number, I'm thinking they're going to do something. When I have a conversation with that individual face-to-face and I say, I don't even know who you are, what you do, but you're here, which tells me you were sent as a spy because this is a protest because this is the first time I've ever seen you. That happened. And you're here at a protest at Reuter Park because talking we were protesting, media, talking to the media. Which means you got, some, you got somebody told him he could do that. They did. I yeah. no. I asked him who sent him there. He said the city sent him there. Well, the city sent him here just to kind. Of, I said, you know, and I can't remember what he said, but I kind of said to to spy, to spy and report back. You know, and you know, I was kind of halfway joke, but then I went on to, well, that's kind of disturbing to me because I don't know who you are, or what you do, and that's a little bit disturbing to me that this is the first time I've ever seen you is at this function. So then I went. I go on to tell him like. You got it. Like, I have a lot of people that could really use you, use your services. You got to be out in the community. People need to know about you. You need to do a better job of this. You, the city. So you still, like, don't understand what your role should. Come on. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I can't. I can't well, accept I mean, that. He, he could not know because his supervisor is telling him he's doing a good job. This is why I, I say it always rolls up, man. I Because I, while we were standing there talking, Samara is right. The word ombudsman, I had never heard the word before until... <laughs> I love that word. Full disclosure, I had to look it up, and it indicates that they're an advocate. I'm gonna name my dog that that when I get it. And and mind you, 
from that day on, I referred a whole crap load of people to that office, to that phone number and that link because it's a form that you fill out. And now I have to think. Don't like, ever refer anybody to HRCS until listen, they get their shit together. I don't. I don't know. All right. So moving off of this, that was it. That was a, a telling moment. But that's why you see me post that about these city workers, because I just know they got bosses that are telling them they can handle. They can act any way they want. And especially with me, because I've been so polarized. Uh, against their bosses that their bosses are like oh you can treat him anyway no you can't and if you do i'm calling y'all all ass to the table just so you know as a citizen uh i mean i'll give me some pearls and clutch them and everything and i'm gonna be down there Stupid. just straight up snitching and telling on everybody so don't fuck around with me um and, yeah. I, and if i it, see you doing it to somebody else i'm gonna do the same thing i think this it really came off the heels of just watching that behavior how they behave they behave to, terrible to a lot to of people. other people and i always think you know when you watch a behavior and you're like I always think because a lot of people are like, uh, you know, couldn't be me because I would. I don't. I don't usually really take that stance. You know, the stance I always take is, please, Lord, don't ever put me in that position. Like, please don't. I don't ever want to be put in that position. Please don't put me in that position because it is just. It's not going to go well. Put for me in that position. Like, I'm gonna be just like this. <laughs> say it again. What else did you say? But that came <laughs> off the heels of just watching some folks be very just indignant and disrespectful, unprofessional to other folks. And the thing is, is when you watch those interactions, you have to always wonder if you will do this in public yeah. to, uh, you know, city officials, to other professionals within you, all this, how, how are you talking to and treating our citizens? You know, is it that far removed when, when like people poop? Yeah. So moving on, uh, that, that situation we will keep an eye on. Um, there's a lot I think going to be coming out of that situation. Uh, I wanted to bring in just real quick. Uh, let me see real quick. Hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got to get this together here. I really apologize for taking so long. <laughs> what was the, the, the MIDAC committee, the acronym was mayor's inclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Inclusion. All right. So we're going to talk about this real quick and then we're going to have to get off here. Everybody's seen the uh, You Can't See Me that was uh, seen worldwide, right? And Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark. I'm going to say this about this scenario. I, I really can't understand how America acts like racism isn't a thing and bias isn't a thing. The first thing I thought when I turned this game on Tuesday, I think it was. What was today? No, Tuesday. It was Monday. I mean, I remember it was Tuesday. Remember what, I don't we remember what day. It, was it was Sunday. Though. It was Sunday, yeah. I think. We were watching it. I watched wow. the game, the last part of the game, and uh, and the first thing I recognized that made total sense to me, and this is terrible in America that this made sense to me, that the entire LSU team was black and the entire Iowa team was white. That's the first thing I noticed. That and the score, and it made sense to me. All of it was like, yep, that makes total sense. And... Uh, I was watching the game and I was just watching how LSU was just completely dominating this team like the whole time. And I was just thinking like, you know, <laughs> I hate to say it, but we are supreme athletes. You know, we, we do we do pretty well. Uh, but I was just thinking like there's going to be an obvious conversation around race. We don't with know this what game. I don't know what it is. I swear. But it's coming. While I was watching, I was thinking there's going to be a conversation about race when this game is over. I don't know what this going to be, but there's going to be one. And then this thing happened. And I was like, oh, there it is. And there's controversy surrounding it because the people who see Iowa as the wholesome team, you know, the, the all American team, the Patriot team, 
why we know why because they're white the people who see them as the all-american team uh don't see any of the trash talk that goes on in basketball and i'm gonna tell you i played every sport growing up basketball was one that i just didn't feel i didn't like and and it's not necessarily that i didn't like playing basketball i didn't like going to the park and playing basketball because people and i'm going to say something that's probably not gonna make a lot of sense to people but the environment i grew up in this is what it was the people who outside of basketball were punks and when i say that i mean like you ain't never testing nobody temperature dog would get on the basketball court and they would turn to a, like they was they'd get big and they would talk crazy and they would talk trash and they would talk about your mom and all of this and it would make me want to fight every time so i was just like i'm done playing man because i'm gonna beat you up and that's just how the mentality was that on the basketball court they do this they talk so much junk the entire game every time a basket is made you can't see me you you stepping down on them and you know like you ain't you trap like all game long if you think that don't happen in this national championship game this probably the biggest game they've ever played in it does and that caitlin was probably talking trash with angel the entire time which is totally which is totally normal it's normal for sports and especially basketball because you're guarding the same person all game it's you against that person all game all game and then you have leaders of the teams which was angel and caitlin who are the leaders of the team so it's all going to draw back to them too now caitlin's signature move was you can't see me or they can't see me and caitlin is an awesome basketball player she gets to she's, do that. she's an amazing girl <laughs> she gets to do that but then when you get beat angel reestas gets to do that too and you see this all over the place all the time and if you know anything about sports you do but of course, because it was an all-white basketball team and an all-black basketball team, and Angel Reese is unapologetically black, meaning I don't care what y'all think. This is how I move, and our culture is different than your culture, and this is how we move. It got blown out into what it is. And what I found interesting about it was Caitlyn, first of all, what I found interesting was Angel did not back off of her stance. She was like, I don't care what y'all think. I've been through y'all talking trash about. I loved her response. It was such a Mike Lynn response. I don't care what y'all think. I've been dealing with y'all for a whole year talking trash about what we ain't going to do. I'm too ghetto. I'm too this. I'm too that. I'm too. Why would I care what you think now about what I just did? I don't care what y'all think. And she stood tall on that so much so that Joe or Joe. What's uh, what's her name? Jill Jill Biden was talking about this this game and how great a game it was and how great they both were that there's a tradition that the women's basketball team NCAA and all championship teams whether or not it's all the way down to uh you know college whatever it is all the way up to the pros when they win the championship they go to the white house it's a tradition not the losers the winner goes to the white house loser you'll get your turn when y'all win it's very consistent Jill came out and said you know, they both nice. played so well. It'd be nice to have LSU. I can't wait to have LSU here. And we should invite Iowa, too. No. Whoa, 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 whoa. That's problem in itself. And that just shows their biases, her her, her, her mask slip. And we all seen it. You know, other people will try to justify. No, she was just saying that the two teams. And then she tried to justify it, saying, well, I just like how, 
how far women's basketballs came. No, you didn't say that because of that. Yeah, it's been coming far. And you've been in office for I don't know. They you're you've been the first lady for two years now. There was the team last year that won two, and you didn't have the winning and the losing team coming that year either. So this was this was what it was. The race. Remember, I said the race is going to be a conversation in this. That's a part of it, right there. What happened? That was a part of it. But what I thought was interesting is that on the report on uh, the shade room, Angel Reese was on the bottom side. We ain't coming. Don't worry about it. We I did. was like, yo, I love this woman. I'm like, pilot. We good. we good. We ain't coming anyway. We ain't we ain't worried about it. We ain't coming. Yeah. We ain't coming. Y'all can take them. Let exactly. Iowa go. We not you coming. Tainted that now. It's and she just kept I'm not coming. I'm straight. Y'all, y'all good. Y'all get the secondhand people. Y'all don't get LSU to come to y'all. And she tried to walk it back. So yeah, she tried to walk it back and talked it's about, late, well, it's though. just, uh, you know, Damage we, done. and then Joe, Joe Biden had to come out with a whole, we're proud to have them there. And just like he, he all but said, and just them, not anybody else, just them no, uh, no. on their visit because they deserved it. No. Uh, but anyways, uh, racism is alive and well, because all of the people who were upset about this right here uh, and didn't keep that same energy for Caitlin is just beyond me. And I think what was really important is Caitlin didn't care. And that was really important. Caitlin talked about it and was like, she deserved to do that. It was cool. We was talking trash back and forth the whole I game. I loved her response to it. I'm good. I'm good so with it. So other, why is y'all y'all tripping? Exactly. And I think we have to remember that racism is usually at the root of everything that happens like this in sports. And when I saw her do it live, I immediately knew. As soon as I saw her do that, I said, dishonest to God in my head, oh, they ain't going to like that. Who's they? You know exactly who they is. They ain't gonna like that. And they yeah. didn't like it. They hated it. And what really, really disturbed me is the very hateful and immediate Thug. vitriol. I mean, vitriol. Somebody called her a piece of shit. They call, I mean, when you get that type of response is only reserved for black folks and so, sometimes people of color. But when it's a black athlete, that is what it, it, I was so disturbing, but I have to, I would be remiss if I don't mention the fact that this is at its core. I've, I've already gotten into a couple Facebook fights on, online because I had time that day and he's like, Erica, <laughs> stop responding. Of I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't care because I knew this was going to happen. So when I watched it played out, I was so disturbed because at the core of it, it is racism and we're not going to act like it's not. We're not going to pretend that it's not. And we're going to name it exactly what the hell it is. It is racism. Plain and simple. And then it's also wearing a coat of sexism and a scarf of misogyny. Always. Because if this was men's basketball, would have gotten the same That's result. True. Absolutely Not, is. Nah, yeah, because true. the other thing that they tried to do was pit these two women against each other, they which they didn't need to do. They, But they wouldn't let it. Because a, this whole, con first of all, because it's, again, this is racism at its core. But why are we even talking about shit talking amongst two basketball players? Why is most this people even ain't an never issue? hit a basketball court, so they don't understand that this happens a lot. It happens everywhere. When is the last time there was a week long media coverage about two men's basketball players talking shit to each other? Yeah, Allen Iverson stepped over top of I can't remember who it was. I want to think it was uh, somebody Lee. I think his last name was on the Lakers. And he shot a three, and the dude fell trying to guard it, and he stepped over him like and pushed down like this, and it was a big old deal. Everybody celebrated, was like, "Oh, that's dope!" Ah. You see how he just did it? We did he do this all the time. Watch basketball for one minute. 
and just just take one minute in a basket being done. The the biggest one was I can't remember who he was from the Bulls. He shot a basket or something over top of LeBron James, and then he like pointed to the ground like you're too small as he was walking away. And Brown was like, okay, came right back down and boom from like the free throw line. This is what happens in basketball, especially football. No difference. If you sure. ever hear them mic'd up, Ooh. if you ever hear in football them mm. mic'd up, the type of stuff they say to each other, the type of shit that goes on. Yo, we just got to not. So, like, the point is what I want to say about this. I, this is what I want to say. This is my ending point to this, and I'll let you finish your, your point. My ending point to this is I think that all white people, and I'm saying this to all of y'all because I love to educate, and I get, I get shit for this all the time. I had to educate Scott Sanford the other day about why all the things that he said, the reasons why he wasn't what he was, are actually dog whistles to the fact that you are what you say you're not. And the only way you can actually prove that you're not what you are is just by being that thing. <laughs> I don't know if that made sense to y'all. <laughs> Hope it does. Hope it does. With this situation, if you are a white man, woman who was disturbed by this, you have racial biases. You do. I don't care if you say you don't. So if you are a person who believes you're an ally to the black community, you need to search inside yourself and find out why you felt this way about this incident. This is your time to learn. This is your time. Like George Floyd being murdered. You didn't have a whole lot of space there to try to figure yourself out. Everybody watched the man be suffocated to death. That hurt everybody, no matter what. Even, you know, racists probably felt some type of way about watching that. This one is a time you have a chance to learn about yourself. Mm -hmm. This is a time you get to say, damn, internally, I didn't say anything on Facebook, but that did kind of irk me too. And I'm an ally to the black community. I don't understand why that made me feel that way. Well, this is your moment. Think about it. Listen to people like us, figure out why you felt that way and start combating it. So as soon as that feeling comes in your mind, uh-uh, this is my bias now. Let me look at this from an objective point standpoint. Let me not be subjective here. There's, so yeah. this is the idea that you have an option, you have a, a moment here. Because this was very polarized, but it was also something that was kind of um, kind of veiled because it was easy to be like, okay, one person went a little overboard. So that's, but no, that's not true. You see it that way because you already seen, you already seen Angel as the thug in this situation. Like she was the aggressor because she's black and that's a bias. Listen, when you start picking apart a situation. Mental gymnastics. Making, exactly. When you start picking apart a situation. Oh, you're talking about. To yeah. add layer upon layer yeah, of yeah. this. Well, she took it a step above or the timing of it when she did it and why this and why that when you find yourself i said this on someone's post the behavior is the behavior is the behavior is the behavior period so you either just don't like the behavior as a whole or you do or you need to be asking yourself why you hated seeing her do it but seeing the other one do it didn't make you feel any type so of caitlin when she did it and that was like, well, it was because she was doing it to her bench or because such and such and no, such. No, she wasn't. It, do it doesn't matter, though. If it was okay when she did it, then it's okay when she did it. All of that. If you your mind went to that, you need to check your biases. I'm There's no conversation around it. No. I'm not telling you no. this is up for debate. I am telling you that if you felt that way and you started doing mental gymnastics to figure out why, mm -hmm. you know, that was wrong and this was right, and you start trying to explain that shit, you have racial biases. That's what they are. Period. And that's where they come mm -hmm. out at. And we're recognizing it in a lot of people around us. Mm -hmm. And we're just saying, it's okay. We all have biases. I told Scott Be Scott uh, Sanford mm -hmm. that I had a bias when I seen his 
Facebook page. He looked, <laughs> he like, he looked like in his normal day in life, he looked like when I looked at Phil Robinson's Facebook page. <laughs> it was similar in nature, almost exactly the same. So my biases went immediately to this guy thinks the the Confederate flag is the Tennessee battle flag and there's nothing wrong with it. That's the first thing I thought was like, oh, he he probably believes in the Tennessee battle flag. That could be wrong. So I checked myself. Right. And I stopped and was like, nope, I don't know this man. I don't know nothing about him. That's mm -hmm. just my bias creeping up. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm feeling cautious. Mm -hmm. But I brought him on the show and found out I'm probably right. But in any case, in any case it's OK. Uh, it is what it is, but it's not my problem. I oh. talked to him about it. The same I'm talking to y'all yeah. right now and said, hey, some of the things you're doing might be perceived to be. And that may be why you got some complaints or whatever the case <laughs> is. But it's not my issue. I'm just here to educate. Always here to educate. So if you're one of those people, you have biases yeah. and you and they came out right then. And that's OK if you check them. What? Figure that out. It is. And one of the most simple, simple ways, easiest ways is a little exercise you can do when you feel big mad. Shut the fuck up. No. Oh, not that one. Oh, when you feel big mad about something, just keep continuing to ask yourself why. Yeah. Why am I so why upset did about I, this? Why did that make me so angry? Why do I feel like this? Am I why a hater? Does that really, really, really think, you know, honestly with yourself, because when I went back through and, and watched it again and I watched the clips and then I started seeing subsequent posts and all that. USA Today, they're one of the and this was one of many, but this is, just, you know, one one. They got it right when 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 Caitlin did it, and it, and it literally says Iowa, Louisville. You're too calm. Caitlin right Clark, Caitlin Caitlin Clark taunts Haley Van Life so savagely. Savage. So that was a trend, because I want to point that out, because people kept saying that. Savage. Oh well, she didn't do it at this. She didn't do it that. Th it was at the bench. It was at her. It was, if you're picking it apart like that, and you're doing mental gymnastics, there were several headlines that literally called it out and said who she was taunting, who she waved off directly. So no, stop trying to do the mental gymnastics to justify your biases. The other thing that I had to point out to somebody is I was like, they literally called it, the the, the news outlets that got it right, they called it the, the Caitlin Clark taunt. The Caitlin Clark taunt. taunt. They said um, Angel, what, what's her name, her full name? Angel Reese. Angel Reese, um, um, say her name. Mimic, mock, Angel Reese mocks, mimics the Caitlin Clark taunt. Come on, y'all! Literally, she just used her own taunt against her in a shit talking game, and I really appreciated both their comments. What they said about that, like this was an exciting game. This was a heated game. This is what we want out of women's basketball, right? Yeah, that's what we're always talking about. talking about. And the moment it gets heated and all that, this is what y'all do. Like, get the like, y'all make me make me sick. Made me sick. It be, was just be ladylike, Erica. Don't be cussing. Yeah. I'm just kidding. See, that's misogynistic, yes. right? That's like, yeah, that's the same you know, thing, right? Because you know how many times I've been told that in my life. <laughs> I'm too loud. I cuss too much. I'm like, oh, what we, is we Alyssa Slotkin doing with all of these black people? What is this? <laughs> I'm just I'm just tired, yo. What do they get for having this meeting? Uh, why is they standing around her like that? I'm just tired of this. These are probably all black pastors from Pontiac. This is in Pontiac, actually. She posted this on her Facebook page. Um, I'm tired of the Democrat Party pandering to black people this way. I'm just it's getting so it's so overwhelmingly obvious that Without all y'all want impactful. is our vote. Yeah. You don't, don't want to do anything systemic, anything. impactful. No. Nothing. And it's just so sad. 
uh, it doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm really getting sick and tired of it. I just want to show that to y'all because these career politicians, this is the shit they do. You know what the politicians, you know what politicians who are politicians because they care about people do? They go out and they do shit and word of mouth. I'm going to tell you, this is a perfect example of this. Adam Hussein, and I'm just going to share this little piece. I talked to Adam, you know, and I was really kind of like, dog, I need to, we need to hear more about, you know, the disdain for some of the things going on. He was like, Mike, I'm mad. And I know this to be true. He's like, I'm mad about two or three meetings a day in the neighborhoods. I'm going everywhere. I'm talking to people. I'm not out here photo opping and taking pictures. And he's he's running for his spot right now. He is opposed this year. But he's in the streets with it, yo. I respect that so much about Adam because he's from here, born and raised, loves the community, he's doing everything he can. He goes from this committee, goes from school teacher to this committee, <laughs> to this neighborhood meeting, to this neighborhood meeting. Like that's where the work we is done. Let other people post a picture of you doing the good thing. Let other like if Alyssa was really speak for itself. Alyssa doesn't. You don't need to get on your Facebook and post a picture with sixteen black people with your white self sitting in the middle of it, like as if that means y'all cool. We know what it is. You're not. You're not fooling nobody. But if you had went there and somebody from there had posted the picture and said, guess who showed up in here today to have a conversation about the things that matter to us? And it's a candid picture of Alyssa talking. That would mean something to me. But when you set up stage photo ops like this, it's disgusting, man. And you using black people to get votes of moder of, 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 of moderates, liberals, of other black people without giving anything for it. You're just you're using black people. That's what that looks like to me. I know that the average person in the world can't see it that way, but us who understand, we know you're using us. Malcolm X talked about it in the ballot of the bullet. Here comes the, the season of election time when all these white liberals are going to come into the black community and act like they care about us, take photo ops with us, promise us things, and we won't see them again until the next comes around. So those who heard that speech know, and a lot of those people that are in that picture know so I don't even understand why they do it, but I can only imagine because of the power dynamic, they ain't going to say no. And y'all take advantage of that, man. Coercion of power. That's some, that's some, I don't, under, it, just, it just upsets me. You see it on Andy. Yo, I don't think Andy has posted a picture with a white person in the last three years. Are there any white people in Lansing? Can you pander to some of them, please? Stop with like every meet, everything he go to. He got to take two pictures with some elderly black people. Stop doing that. We know what you're doing and it's terrible. It's sickening. It's so shameless. Stop it. Alyssa, you the same. Stop it, man. Stop holding my, my, my elders up, taking pictures with them and then posting it on your page. Like you went and did something And the caption of that was, I went and heard what was important to them. And you know, this is the thing about this. Cause I know from, from the, I'm from the community. Those black folks that was in that room probably prepared for this meeting for two months because they really need your help. Mm -hmm. They really need it. They really have issues they wanted to bring to somebody who was going to listen. And the only thing you cared about was getting a photo op. And that's the problem. Those people have probably been fighting their whole life. They in Pontiac. We know Pontiac has issues. They've been fighting their whole life. And they finally got that meeting. They probably had meetings about it. Board, they had board meetings and agendas and everything about coming it. to meet you. And the only thing you cared about was getting that picture in the end. That's what I'm saying, man. Y'all got to stop doing that. People are tired of 
elected officials working on it. They're working on things. They're working on it, working on it. You're always working on something. When when are you going to tell us you did it? You did something. Like that's literally what we get from all of our elected officials from state senators to how, you know, state reps, you know, all of these people that have that power and have those resources. And you come to them, like you said, put all that capacity out, hoping you'll get something. And you think by just them being in the room that they're not finally, that, that all they needed to do was just hear us out. And then, of course, we'll call you. We'll work, it, we'll work on it. And then they work on it and a year goes by and nothing got done. Like, we're tired of it. Yeah. And especially when you're I'm tired of it when yeah, it's my people, when it's black folks y'all using for that too, because mm -hmm. you know you need that vote. You know, that's the Pontiac, Pontiac, Flint, Detroit area was highly saturated with black people. They go, Alyssa gonna spend a lot of her time over there. A lot of her time in the Detroit area. So like, I just, I'm just tired of it. Yeah, it's gonna, it is telling. And this is something that we don't do often enough. Is look she at was the, in Lansing during the time she was running against Look at the boy. campaign trail in the various positions. Look at the campaign trail and who they talk to, because it shouldn't change. You should be trying to hit all the constituents. You should be trying to diversify your portfolio and get diverse voters. And oh, she new can't be seen with that. no 50 white people. But point being, not in her campaign. I, I'm just saying, look at the campaign trail and who they focused on, depending on the position. And if those things changes, it's just strategy. It's not in. Oh, I was hoping Andy left for this Congress because all these people that have been kissing his ass and trying to get position was about to. You was about to get a real dose of reality when you called that phone number again and it was changed. Because you're just being used. All of y'all being used for political leverage. That's it. All the people that stand up in pictures and might get $2,000 grant that I, I, I had to fight like hell to get. And you feel like you got some benefit. You're just being used. It's political pawn. It is one thing. If you know that, but you're trying to, you know, you're trying to just stick in there and have impact. True it's one impact, terrible thing. You're, you're like selling your soul. Well, that too. Well, no, I shouldn't even say used. Don't be used. If you're being used, that means there is nothing to be gained out of the situation. There are always going to be people that just try to work with, with an administration and work with the system, right? And I'm not going to say just you can't because it's the one that exists in people's jobs, people's roles, whatever the case may be. But you have to hold accountability and get things out of it. You have to have transparency. If you don't do that, then you are just simply getting used. That's yeah. it. You're getting used. I want to show you guys something before we get off of here kind of near and dear to my heart but i think this is two years now uh this month actually 2003 it's three years america has been in play three years america has been in yes three years i want to show you guys something for all of you all who might just now starting to watch us and don't really know where we started at i remember we had kurt richardson on and he said i want he was like uh I, I can't remember if he said it on the air, if he said it afterwards, he was like, just keep going. Whatever you do, keep doing it. You know, he's like, I see a lot of people spark up things. You know, it's the pandemic. You know, people are going to spark up things. He's like, you know, where are you going to be three or four years from now? And I was like, nah, we don't, we don't do that. I mean, there's not too many things you, you can know. You can ask America or Mike and Erica about that. We do that. We just don't continue. And it's to a fault. Cause sometimes we ride things out and it's no benefit <laughs> to ourselves. And it's like, we're given all of this time. But I just wanted to show we did stick with it and it's now three years in um, and I wanted to show you where we started at. This was <laughs> this was where we started. And this right here is before I think we even did a show yet. We were just kind of setting it up, trying to find lighting. Uh, this was in our apartment right here. Wow. Yep. That's our kitchen table. That was our kitchen at our uh, loft on uh, Realtown. Real 
That's where it all started right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I just wanted to put that up so y'all could see that. And this is what we come to. So maybe the next place would be like some official ass studio with Barstool Sports down here in the corner right here. Barstool, if you're listening, come get us. We're ready. Uh, you know, never know where we're going to go. It's, when you're consistent with something, you keep grinding on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think our passion. I can say one thing about anybody. I, I say one thing like people like, well, there's a lot of little podcasts popping out. Like, ain't nobody going to work us. I've seen podcasts pop up and go away. I don't look at other people and what they're doing and be like measuring ourselves with that. We're in our own lane. This lane is going to be where we at. We don't tend to jump out of it and do like sports talk or anything like that. If it's a part of like what's going on in the world politics wise or with society or current events, then we're going to talk about it. But outside of that, I'm not really I don't worry about that type of stuff. I just try to stay consistent and do what I do. We talk about this is the thing I think does make us unique i guess well first of all the grind because that's the thing and nobody gonna outwork us i can tell you that right now between the two of us we're going to be consistent just because that's who we are as people um but it's a very like you're getting very authentic conversations and authenticity and transparency is really like a dying thing in our society because it's dangerous it is you know but you're really getting a lot of authenticity because this is not um, something that, like, you, you you know, we rehearse or try to, like... Hell no. We know what we're going to talk about when we got on the no, show No, I was, like, trying to caption I started off, like, let me just figure out what we can just jump into. If you look at the caption, that's why... I, the one thing I knew we were going to talk about was the Trump uh, arrest. But you seen, like, local state news. Because I was like, I don't... We're, and again, we're going to go <laughs> home and talk for another three hours yes. just like this about some shit going on. And a lot of time you'll see recaps of those conversations. So all you're doing is seeing the things that we bounce off each other's heads, the things that we go back and forth, the things that we go at it about already... Like, like we were always going to have Oh, yeah, we had some arguments, too. Not in oh here. We, uh, for whatever reason, we figure it out when we get on here. But we, we get do. into it about some shit. And not get into it. But, you know, we have we some disagreements. It. We two of our own people. We're not a monolith either. But. Exactly. We have, you know, our stances on things. And, and I think that that's important to have. She's like, the way liberal <laughs> compared to me. And I'm I, I'm not a conservative or anything or even a moderate. But I'm not nearly as liberal as she is. Uh, Holy yes. smokes. <laughs> And you're a feminist too. Yeah, we know that to be a we fact. Know that. Eric is a feminist. She's <laughs> unapologetically yeah. all yeah. of these things, <laughs> which makes it so socially. funny when people used to say like she just says everything you say. I'm like, you have no clue. You have no I've been clue. I feel so bad because I'll feel it when people say things like that. I can feel this. Like I always want to be like, don't be telling my business Mm-mm, because I know like, he's sitting there no like clue. you don't know what I have to deal with. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> to pull her my way, you have no idea the arguments we go through in some scenarios i'm still a work in progress though i should probably be more closer to what erica views on things you are and i know but i'm saying like you're 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 perfect and i'm i'm trying to get there i am not perfect i hate when he says that nobody's perfect i don't think you have a nobody is in your body yo you've never done anything or anybody wrong so untrue and i there's people out there that would absolutely not say that holy a holy um what's the word you have a a uh, pure heart that doesn't see revenge, doesn't see like. If you do see it, you don't act on it. So that's again pure. I don't know if I'm trying to think of what that feels like, but I don't really. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't feel those things, and I work really hard not to. That's I the know. first thing I feel, and I don't have to work with <laughs> not feeling like that. 
the first thing I feel is like I'm getting back. My dad told me that that's how he was. He was like, I was a little kid and I was out. If, if you did something wrong to me, I had to do it. I had to get you back, period. And I couldn't stop until I did. He was like, I had a problem with that when I was a kid. And I was like, I'm the same way in a way. You know, I think I just really, I'm working against maybe, maybe it it's faith. I don't know. I think I've always just believed like I, I really do truly know that like the only person and thing I can truly true. And this is probably the it's probably control freak thing I, that I can control is me. That's the only person that's the, I keep and how you feel about and how it, I feel that, about yeah. it, what I do about it. That's the only thing I can control. So I, I choose to say, like, you know what, they'll have to atone for that in some way, shape or form. And, and it might be in ways that I'll never see. see I'll never know about. That just doesn't That's make okay. me feel good. I, I want to see it. If I didn't do it, I at least want to see it. You know, happen. And I know I get that. I'm not going to say I don't have those feelings. I think I think this I'm is forgiving, the, though. Yes, that's what I am is forgiving. So this is the thing. There's a lot of things like Mike is a lot more patient and he gives a lot more grace. He gives a lot more time, a lot more chances. So I think when it gets bad, it gets bad for me. Yeah. And he just, you know, and, and, and he hasn't always been great about like boundaries and stuff like that. And so I always feel like that's the thing. He always says, like, you're so perfect. You're so nice. And I'm like, that's so funny because you know me better than anyone. And I understand and know this. People that I love very much have said this and not out of anything mean or negative we just try to be honest with each other I, that I can be harsh at times or I can be very your cutoff game is good just that's one thing analytical or just be like real strong boundaries but like that's a thing where I work on that I try to lean a little bit more towards you know his way on those things to be like okay because I don't throw anybody away but I said I have a real real mean boundary game and I think as people I don't know we have to be uh, understanding of each other. We have to be accepting of each other. We have to be, we cannot continue to walk around thinking that the way that we think and we feel is the only way and it's the right way because it's not. It's just not. Nobody's is. And everybody's is, right? So stop walking around thinking that the way that you think and feel is the right way and the only way. Like that's only from your little, like we're little specks on the, come on now. Remember my, remember my like, Everybody walks around like this. I hate that. Everybody walks around like they're they're better and my judgment is whole. I'm like, who the hell are we to be judging anybody on anything? So that's what a lot of our conversations are about. We just, we talk about things, you know? This is when we get things out and then you guys get to see a lot of it. But they, if you- I'm like, is this offensive or not? I have to ask her stuff like that all the time. Like, babe, can I say this or can I- I'm learning. I'm learning. But you I came from question. a different environment. You know what I'm saying? Where shit yes. just is acceptable. And I, I understand that. We got to- I don't want to be that way, so I have to ask. Is this right. a, you know what I'm saying? And so. that's the thing. A lot of people aren't willing to do that. I've had some real candid conversations with people that I love, people I care about, and we're all trying. You got to give each other the room to learn and grow and bump our heads. You ask, like, how did you get to be that? By messing up. Right. Messing up. Messing up. And, and, you know, when you know better, you do better. Right. All right, y'all. Hey, don't forget that we do have a cash app. If you really love our, our content and want to keep us going and help out with this electric bill over here, uh, it's America 20 to life at cash app. Or we have our Patreon, which we haven't been given a whole lot of content to. And I'm really sorry for those who have been supporting. But just know, even though you're not getting content there, you're helping to fund all this content. So our Patreon and I will figure out a way to do something with our Patreon. that's going to be amazing. And you guys will Maybe be like grandfathered in like crazy. But as we continue to grow, we will never forget those who have supported us from the beginning. We appreciate y'all. We still have cups and mugs and t-shirts. We still have all of that. If you got, and it's all affordable, 20 bucks to go out here and show up at a council meeting, and be like I'm informed. 
That's really what this means. That means that I'm informed. Y'all can't throw it, pull it over my head. We were on a Zoom uh, call today and somebody had America. That's yeah. right. That's right. I was like, yeah. So, uh, you know, we still have our T-shirts. We have the white, gray, and black all in all sizes. Uh, we have our mugs that we can customize and put anything on it that you want, as well as our logo, obviously. Um, but those are $20, I believe, and the custom ones, uh, maybe $25. I'm not sure. But it's all on our website or our Facebook and oh, our really? T-shirts. But, man, support local. You know, we, we don't – obviously, you know, the, the things that we talk about, we're not going to get a whole lot of support financially. Like, we don't get – even some of the things that way worse news outlets and i'm not going to name them get you know like some of the newspapers major sponsorships. major sponsorships we don't get none of that because we talk about the shit that you know they don't necessarily want to attach to because it might mess up their situation downtown right so it, it takes all of y'all that's how we built the village we knew we weren't going to get any you know corporate sponsorships there so we built the village off of, you know off Grind. of people loving <laughs> and supporting what we do so if you do five dollars you know whatever you can send all of that helps. So just know that. Um, outside of that, we love y'all. Uh, oh, I wanted to touch on real quick before we get off here. Mike Carl is digging into something and reporting on something that's going to be so big. I'm, I'm, I'm catching up on all of it. I'm seeing everything Mike's doing. It's going to be huge. He's found actual evidence of, first of all, why our homelessness problem is out of hand, why they're not getting taken care of, where the money's been going, people that have been frauding the system, all the way from elected officials, all the way down to uh, people who own nonprofits and people who are receiving funds from the city and how all of this comes comes together and plays in. He's been talking about it very openly on his Facebook page. If you want to catch up on this stuff, you can go there and watch it. He just did a live earlier today where he talked about it all. He is stepping out in an arena that I like I talked to him. I love you, Mike. If you ever need me, I will be there. But it's a dangerous place to be. I know how it feels. It can feel very uh, solitude. You can feel, you know, cornered. And Mike's got a lot of love. But just make sure we uplifted him uh, because he is taking on a beast that has been hidden for years and has been able to siphon millions of dollars out of this city and out of this community. And they when people start getting their money tampered with or they get their money to where they ain't getting, they're not going to be able to run their con no more. They go on the attack. And Mike's already talked about his incident that happened in DeWitt, you know, and he came on our show and talked about that. You know, they try to really they try to ruin his life. And so I'm saying this on the show. So if we ever have to pull back to this, I've warned that we have to be supportive of Mike. We have to be supportive of Mike Carl and what he's trying to do. Show up for him if he asks for it, share his content, uh, all of the stuff about this housing and the money and all that where it's going. Um, you know, we have to protect people like Mike Carl. Uh, so just wanted to say that, and I'm going to try to get Mike on the show, uh, first part of next week so that we can, I want him to break this down. We got two hours to just, I want him to bring it all and just feed it out. We're going to do that right here. Mike has already said he'll come on the show. So, uh, just support Mike, man, in any way you guys can uplift him in prayer, be vigilant. If you see somebody out here being weird and funny around them, we must protect them. So yeah, we have to insulate each other protect our own in the ways that they insulate each other against us right so right all right y'all so love y'all hope to talk to you and not about you we'll see you next week peace